Good afternoon to all and welcome to this virtual learning and sharing on partnerships and sustainable development for the coffee sector in Vietnam, Indonesia, and the Philippines. I see a few more people joining. Um, so let us perhaps give them half a, half a minute more uh, to join us. I hope that you've all uh, had your lunch uh, and maybe perhaps sipping coffee uh, right now. So I hope that you will enjoy, uh, well, learn a lot from this afternoon's uh, session. Okay, it's, it's a minute past uh, the hour. Uh, so good afternoon again, and thank you for joining us for this virtual learning and sharing uh, on partnerships and sustainable development for the coffee sector in Vietnam, Indonesia, and the Philippines. My name is Reggie Lee, the Programs Director for Grow Asia. And as we continue to wait for people, uh, let me start with the housekeeping. Uh, the first is please do rename yourselves, uh, add your organizations uh, to your name if possible. Second, please remember to mute yourself when you're not speaking and you can use the raise hand function if you want to speak to everyone or, or if you encounter any technical difficulties, you can try logging on, off, off and on or send us a private chat. Uh, anyone with, with the, the background like mine uh, will be able to help you. And during the course of the presentations, you may also use the chat functions to make comments or ask questions uh, in each of the the sections on Vietnam, Indonesia, and Philippine speakers, there will be a moderator who will then at the end of those presentations um, select a few questions for the speakers to answer. And we will have a dedicated time for this Q&A and group discussion after the updates and presentations. So I want to start by thanking all of you for making time to join us in today's meeting. Coffee in dollar terms is the most traded agricultural product in the world. And coffee uh, throughout the world, including the Asia-Pacific region, supports millions of small farmers and their families. With world coffee prices at their lowest levels for many years, um, this threatens the, the existence and the livelihoods of many smallholder farmers. And such prices represent a real threat to the industry. And so there's an opportunity to improve um, farm incomes through sustainable development, through sustainable production of high-value, high-quality coffee, and this learning and sharing session has been organized at this critical time to derive partnerships uh, as well as to, to derive partnerships and sustainable development to assist smallholders and the coffee industry in the region with timely practical interventions drawing from the many uh, successful coffee models run by the Grow Asia and the country partnership partners that you will hear from today. In fact, there are many ways and practices which will make a difference to the quality of life for small producers while ensuring that their farming systems and incomes are both improved and sustained. So it is very fortunate that in today's meeting, we have assembled many distinguished people, well experienced in the coffee sector who are willing and eager to exchange their knowledge and experience. We had uh, almost 180 people uh, registered for this session and uh, today I already see close to 90 with us in the room. Um, as, as we get to know each other, I think it's, it's many people in the room. Let us ask a few uh, poll questions so that we can get to know each other. Uh, so Vijay, I invite you to launch the poll. Uh, you will see three questions. I think just for us to know which country and region uh, you, are, you are joining us from. The second question is which sector you are in. And what are you, the final question is what are your expectations from the event? 
So let's let's give everyone maybe 30 seconds to just uh, fill up the questions. So everyone, if you're just joining us right now, we are just doing a get to know you poll. Um, so fill up, you know, let, let everyone in the room know which country you're from, what sector you represent, and your expectations from the event. I see about half of the room have now answered. Let's give it five more seconds. Okay, Vijay, I think about two thirds of the room uh, have, have answered already. 80% now, I see. So perhaps you can go ahead to, to share the results. Thank you. So I, I, I see the results in front of me and hope you see it also in front of you. Uh, so we have many people joining us from the Philippines. Kumusta, mabuhay, and good afternoon. Vietnam uh, and Indonesia and other ASEAN countries. Thank you very much for joining us. And many of the people in the room are from the development partners and NGOs, as well as the, the public sector as well. And, and I mean, from the private sector side, it, we have a very good distribution across uh, the value chain. Uh, and for, for those of you, I'm glad to see that it's a chance for you to come to network uh, and build partnerships, not just within the countries, uh, but also uh, across other uh, countries and raise awareness and share, uh, you know, their challenges in, in the industry. So thank you for that. Um, so Vijay, you can go ahead to stop sharing the slide. Um, I'm, I will go to our next slide. It's just to show you our agenda over the next two and a half hours where I'm excited that we have representatives from our coffee partners uh, in Indonesia, the Philippines and Vietnam being willing to share their knowledge and experience, especially around the common challenges for their sector. So without further ado, oh, uh, without further ado, let me just uh, invite some of our uh, opening speakers. Uh, I invite uh, Mr. Dong Oksi, Sustainable Manager at JDE and co-lead of the Coffee Task Force of the Partnership for Sustainable Agriculture in Vietnam to say a few words. Uh, Mr. C, thank you. Please go ahead. Mm. I hope you hear me well. Thank you very much, the moderator. So uh, first, uh, we would like to thank you very much for the organizer to invite uh, uh, Vietnam Coffee Test Force to have a very soft uh, speech. And uh, uh, we see that uh, this is a great opportunity you organize that is a very important event. Uh, not only uh, you guys would like to sharing the experience, the learning from the country, but you expanding for the regional level. So I think that's a great opportunity for the network and also for find opportunity to make a bigger impact in the regional level. As you may know that the Vietnam Coffee Task Force established in 2010, where it's very big, very diversified of the member from the government, from the private sector, both from the local exporter and also international trader. Uh, we also have an NGO and especially we also have a representative from the coffee farmer as well. So the, at the moment, the, 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 the task force is co-chaired by the Mass Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Development, Nestle and JD, with support and assistance and secretary of a global coffee platform. And the task force operates in a pre-competitive way. 
uh, for your information, very proud to say you guys that in the last few years, the test code, we make a lot of big impact achievement to support for the whole coffee supply chain here in Vietnam. And uh, that's a great opportunity to, to improve the quality of the coffee oh, and, and also to, to support for the farmer to mitigation of uh, challenges in the coffee production as well. That's also of our future operation uh, orientation as well. So uh, in order to maintain and also well operation of this task force, we realize our experience in, 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 in the last few years. That's the ownership and the leadership uh, from the government is very important. Uh, specific here, mass is play very important role for the leading and for the ownership from this organization. However, we realize that the, the active participation, motivation, uh, driving force like an engine uh, from the private sector is very important who make a lot of contribution in cast and in kite. And another triangle, we realize that the, the, the NGO, uh, like the convening, organizing, coordinations, make a lot of, uh, how to say, it's linked from the different partner to, 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 to make sure that the, 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 the task force is going well. So maybe uh, today is, I don't want to make too much detail because in the next, uh, in the next agenda, you, you make presentation that uh, we are going to have a several the, the present the case study from, from Vietnam, uh, maybe for your further information. However, um, as I mentioned that uh, in Vietnam, there are a lot of uh, still challenges on the coffee productions, uh, deforestation, dry labor, uh, chemical applications, However, it's impossible for whoever one organization or one NGO or, or government alone to do. So I mean that to be like a collective action in this deep responsibility together from all the people, all the stakeholders to improve the situation. So that is how uh, the test force and how partnership from, from Vietnam uh, to do and, and to improve the, the coffee production. So uh, that's, as I mentioned, that's the case study. We'll show you more. Um, uh, again, uh, to fight this, I, 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 I would like to thank you very much again. And we do hope that we are not only to, to say our experience, but we also would like to learn from you guys, and especially our dear colleagues from uh, uh, Indonesia and the Philippines as well. So uh, we hope that we can get the connection. And um, I wish I, I you have a, like, a very successful meeting and healthy and be well and take care. Thank you. Thank you and well said. Thank you, Mr. C. I will also now pass it to Pak Ino, Executive Director of Peace Agro, to give some welcome remarks from Indonesia. Um, thank you, um, Rigi. Um, my dear um, colleagues from Asia and um, partners, my dear friends from PISAF of Vietnam, um, PPSA of the Philippines, honorable speakers from multiple sectors, um, distinguished um, guests, member, partners, um, ladies and gentlemen. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Selamat sore, magendeng hapon, chabui chieo, good afternoon. I'm happy to um, meet you all. I uh, hope we all are in good health. Um, welcome to today's um, regional um, coffee learning and sharing event uh, on the partnership of 
uh, and sustainable development for the coffee, coffee sector under three uh, countries. Uh, thank you to all the speaker um, and participants um, uh, joining us here today. It is with um, great a pleasure to be here, uh, to be able to collaborate with our friends from the other country partnerships, um, PSAF and PPSA, with support uh, from GroAsia to host our first collaborative um, regional event. Coffee um, is, is one of the most traded um, commodities in the world. Um, and in Southeast Asia, it's one of the uh, top, uh, we, we're one of the top coffee producing regions, right? Um, it is highly consumed by um, so many people around the globe. And even for us, most of us, um, our life begins with coffee. I was looking uh, through the internet last night, um, just last night, and found out that um, there are hundreds of, of life inspirations quotes about um, coffee. For instance, um, I'm, not, I'm not a morning person, I'm a coffee person. Um, and then a bad day with um, coffee is way, way better than uh, a good day without coffee. Um, so it is, it is um, important uh, for most of us. Um, looking, looking at Indonesia, about 90% of our uh, coffee plantations are sustained by uh, the, the smallholder. Um, we chose uh, both um, uh, challenges and, and also opportunities. Um, at Peace Agro, we believe that helping um, smallholder um, are, is the key to increasing the quality and the quantity of the coffee. Um, so I believe that I think I think later our represent, representative from, from from Indonesia will will speak more about this uh, on the session later. Today's um, webinar is a great I think opportunity for uh, the country partnerships um, to share. Um, and learn uh, and the experience in each country uh, regarding the main issues, challenges, partnerships, um, and um, identifying the stakeholders around the coffee commodity. Uh, I think, and also to identify uh, if there is any uh, potential linkage markets among the stakeholders in the respective countries, right? So I'm sure we will be having uh, productive discussions Together, we can accelerate um, exchange of experience and ideas to scale up uh, best practices uh, that have been, I think, going on in respective countries. Without um, further ado, let me pass back uh, the floor to uh, Luigi. Thank you. Thank you, Ino. And of course, last but not the least, Ami uh, from the Philippines. Please, Thank welcome. you. Thank you, Reggie. Good afternoon, everyone. Magandang hapon po to our participants, especially those from the Philippines. We are privileged, of course, to be part of this collaborative event. Given the pandemic, we in the Philippines Partnership for Sustainable Agriculture, PPSA, also see the great value in creating and managing stronger ties with partners nationally and internationally. We hope that this session will give you that opportunity. As mentioned by Ino and the previous speakers, we are confident that this session will allow you to not only gain new insights, but also to encourage you to initiate partnership building and networking. In the Philippines, and I am sure in other parts of the world as well, it has been a challenge to adjust and adapt to the changing times. And in this challenge, the vulnerable ones, which include most of the coffee farmers, need support. That is why the PPSA's Coffee Working Group, through the leadership of our working group lead, Ms. Ruth Navales of Nestle Philippines, who will be speaking later, 
hopes to support coffee farmers through knowledge sharing, partnership development, and roadmap support. Our support to this session evidences our commitment to extend our hands further so that our coffee farmers would reap the benefits of their hard work, enjoy happy lives, and of course, we as coffee lovers continue to support them while we enjoy the aroma and taste of coffee. Today, we have speakers, special mention to Ms. Joji of Coffee for Peace and Ms. Ruth, both leading award-winning coffee teams in the Philippines who are generous enough to share their projects, experiences, and of course, opportunities to work together beyond our country's borders. Their stories of peace and collaborations will inspire us to do more and find ways to address the challenges faced by our coffee farmers. Thank you so much again for being with us this afternoon, and we hope you find this session informative and fruitful. Mabuhay po tayong lahat. Thank you, Ami. Uh, so without uh, going further, uh, let me invite Zhang, uh, who will be moderating our Vietnam uh, section. Thank you, Reggie. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. This is Zhang from the Partnership for Sustainable Agriculture in Vietnam. And I'm glad to be the facilitator for the sessions on Vietnam. So as many of you has already know, the Vietnamese coffee industry has been developing successfully over the past decade and become the largest producer over the world. Robusta coffee productions account for the 90% of Vietnam total output and uh, almost 15% uh, of the overall global coffee productions. Coffee, the second largest agriculture export um, products in, in terms of value after rice in Vietnam, with uh, uh, last year annual, annual turns over around 3 billion. Um, that is about 10% of Vietnam agricultural export. Um, like NC um, has already mentioned, after decades of pool booming, the sector is also facing with numerous issues that need to be considered and addressed in a joint sector's approach as they are too big to be addressed by each stakeholder individually. And Vietnam partners are now working hard together to, to promote uh, greater coffee sustainability, to adapt the production models, and further develop the best practices at all segments in the value chains nationally and regionally to increase resilience against the climate change and provide economic certainty to the smallholder farmers. Now for the sessions uh, in Vietnam today, we will be listening to three presentations and we will have around, I think, 15 minutes for a Q&A during the presentations. If you have any questions, please just feel free to type in the chat box so that we can direct them later during the Q&A sessions. Now, first of all, um, I would like to uh, welcome Mr. Nguyen Van Kiet, the country rep representative of uh, the Rainforest Alliance in Vietnam to share experience in tackling childable issues in coffee supply chain. Um, personally, we have been known with Theats for so, so long time, and he's a top expert when it comes to certifications. Um, in addition to coffee, also support farmers and other value chain actors in other um, sectors like cocoa, pepper, and teas. So I think um, enough for the introductions, Mr. Thiet, uh, the floor is yours. Thank you, Zhang Vu, for, uh, for the very nice interview and bring me on the top of the coffee sector in Vietnam. Uh, I will uh, share my screens. Yes. OK. 
Okay. Uh, my name is Nguyen. Uh, I am the referee lion country manager in Vietnam. Uh, as I know, in the past up to now, in, we uh, join a lot of the different uh, events, webinar, workshop, meeting anywhere around the world. But in the Vietnam, we very little or nothing uh, people who can talk on the child level issue in the coffee sector. Is it no child level in the coffee? No, I can say no. Because as I see on the field, with compared with all the jobs in agriculture, is less the time level than other jobs. However, in recent years, due to the lack of the labor decision, uh, labor, especially in the harvest of uh, harvesting of the coffee, uh, is having in some place use the time level. But as we know, according to international convention, uh, I, I law and the labor law in most of the country around the world have mentioned the time level. It's not allowed to use a time level in a working day in the field uh, and have a very clear description what is a time level, what are the dangers that work the effect to the health and the child or the children. It is not allowed, it is allowed to do that. However, there is very, very little farmer know about that and no, no, nobody mentioned and taking care this day in the field. So the time level in the coffee industry is happening. Therefore, in the we are implementing a program for the awareness raising on the child level low, find the best solution to apply the and replicate it locally. This is my 10 minutes for my presentation today. Uh, we organize the program, but let me say it is project. Uh, we involved in the two important key players in the big uh, coffee roster. The big guy from the uh, webinar is Mr. Silo, also uh, one of the member partners in this uh, program. And in this program, we uh, work together with uh, two local companies. And we organize the program and we try to bring forth all of the people uh, with the two important messages for the project. The first important message is to get, let's give the children for the happy day. To compare the, the, the picture in the right side and left hand side, we don't have don't like to have the, the picture in the left hand side. We try to bring to the right hand side. And the second message from the, the project, we, we would like to share to send a message important to the people in the coffee sector, let's shorten the distance between the poor and the medium coffee farmer. Not very poor. We try to reduce and cancel and nothing poor people in the coffee sector. This year, we work together under supported by the industrial government, Lavaya, GDE, and two important uh, two partners in the, 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 the local company, and we take the action together. Uh, we organized a survey in the last time uh, with the six different communes in the two different uh, provinces in the Vietnam, Yalai and Dakla. What we see the four roads where the, the child labor coming. The first is the, 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 the people are very poor. The farmer in the Vietnam, very large, very, very small size of the land use for the very low productivity, low income, and uh, not enough cover on the, the, the living condition for the family. The limited uh, awareness raising, no, they have a lot of the training on that, on, on the agricultural practices. Uh, we have a lot of the training on the sustainable agriculture, but nobody mentioned about the child labor. So all the people not fully understand what in the law in the Vietnam mentioned about the child labor. Nobody knows, nobody take care, they don't care about this. 
and we have another job. The reason is the lack of the children of the job for the the children when they stop working at the school, with are uh, younger than 18 years old. And uh, of course, in harvest season in the coffee areas, we have a limited the the, the working day, the, the labor cost. So some people they use the children in the family to go to field to have the barn for the coffee harvest. And another important thing, we are finding some, some interesting data. For example, here the graphic is the household income and household spend. Uh, six place here, we have a six different communes in the two different uh, provinces. The black and the blue is the minority, and the green and the yellow is the king people. And these two different communes here, 100% of the minority people, and four other here mixed between the king and uh, uh, the minority. If you see the graphic set, uh, even the highest income in the family in the year about 10,000 maximum. But if we compare with the spending, uh, the money in the years, uh, almost at the balance and less. And did you say that, uh, well, you, we, we can say that, uh, see that it is a very, very low living condition in this area. We uh, already have a, a survey and data collection. Here is a try drop down or not go to school. You see the some place drop down or a part of the go to school. For example, the highest is the 70% of the children. Some day go to school, some day not go to school, and of course they go to the field. And some earlier it is very low like this. That means they can partially and uh, and drop down school, they still have a lot in the in, in, in the areas. This is the, the issue and challenge. This is a child labor. With data research study, we have the, some places with 45% use child labor. And some of them lower is 10%, 5 or 6% of, of child labor. That we have the big issue in the, in, in the coffee sector now, but we like we forget, nobody mentioned it. Uh, it this is the reason why. We work together in a certification program with all the partnership donors like a big guy GTE now. We try to focus this project uh, to raising awareness, to find leisure learning, and then to expand in more in, in home countries. That means we, we planned uh, for the next three years. Now we have a three years before with the time label issue with the generalist. But now after three years, we're taking care of the tree. And after three years, we have the fruit without child labor. And we invest four important uh, activities, four important activities. The first, uh, to help the people, the farmer have the living additional income. We improve the knowledge and experience for them to reduce into cost to high productive and then high quality to have a more income. The second is to bring to the children have the knowledge and the thinking, the high, uh, upper, high priority for them now to go to school. Without those who go to school, without capacity, knowledge, in the future, you can do anything, you cannot. The third, for the, the, the training, some people raising awareness of a big problem, a very big program like this, we cannot work alone, so we coordinate them with the all local authority, uh, until the NGO in Vietnam, until the government level in high level together, we work together. And of course, uh, we have uh, two companies join us in this uh, program. So we train them, support to them, provide to them some tools for the monitoring and evaluation, let learn from this 
activity. We have two important key activities. The key important activity is the one is raising awareness for the farmer. And like what I said, we trained the farmer with the 1,500 coffee farmer in the parties. Uh, we trained them a lot, but we only select the seven important topics who would influence about the income for them, like the reducing the input cut and increasing the productivity and then the quality of production. And we use the, the methodology of growth abroad and learning by doing. And we try to play the ending agricultural uh, part. This is training session. We combine with starting 45 minutes, at least talking about the time level, day per day, month per month, year by year. So the farmer have the thinking in the time level is very important for their children in the family. And to do this, we also organize the training of the trainer for the 40 people can support us in the daily in the field because we cannot close very close with the farmer. These people can help us to do that. They go from the technical staff from the company, from the teacher from the school, and the local authority organization in, in, in the world. For the children, we also supported around 1,500 children belong to the 1,500 family of coffee. Coffee families, and we organize them by club. We organize by club, and we train them. Organize a picnic in the weekend, and we raising awareness for them. Think about the coffee. Give coffee very important for their, uh, for his family, her family, and maybe it's very good position for their good succession and very good for them in the future. If the parent retire and no more work in the coffee, and they will replace the worker, the manager in the, in the coffee field. Otherwise, in the future, nobody working in the coffee. It is a big issue for the coffee sector in Vietnam. If now we don't do that in the uh, 20, 30 years later, maybe some of the children, the young people, not like to go to school. This is very important. To do this, we work together with the manage, management team, with the headquarters, uh, with the partners involved here. And we are there here by internal uh, project management team here. We have here the CGTE, very big guy from Buffett, together with uh, uh, Rainforest Alliance Vietnam team to carry out and manage this program in the field with the two uh, local company under support, working with the local partner implementation. We find out that the independent consultant to do that. Outside the uh, external partners, we work together with, uh, we can communicate with the ILO, with the Dutch MSC, with the NGO or the Ministry of Agriculture in Vietnam to work together on this issue. And then we learn from them and we span all rollout in the whole coffee sector in Vietnam. The project we will start the first uh, phase in the survey and assessment in the quarter one and quarter two of 2021. And we started Project B in the carrying out the implementing activity in the field from July 2021 until December 2024. Uh, this is the plan. And uh, using uh, this uh, implementation, we try to focus on the very simple agricultural practices. For example, in the train, they did the one of the poster. This is the training menu. This is, for example, the farmer feed school, learning by doing in the owner the move farm. We can also organize the club for the children, raising awareness for them, training them, uh, thinking about the coffee, have some practice about coffee, very, very simple work for them, some hours per picnic per day, something like this in the weekend, 
and we organized to, to have the farmers some very simple usage, for example, maybe some game or some flower usage, something like that at home. And we also organized and we call it the mobile library. It is a tool for supporting information by bookkeeping poster and also the television to use it in the training for the uh, uh, training for the farmer and also for the club activity of, of, uh, in, in the field with the children. The key outcome is very simple uh, in, in this room. Uh, the first here, the second here, and we hope that after three years, we go to the zero time level issue. issue. It, it, it looks very difficult, but our abilities, uh, three companies will join Rainforest Alliance. And Rainforest Alliance have the, the, the requirement in the social sector, strongly and tricky uh, audit on the time level. If they pass the time audit, that means they are zero time level. And we believe we can do that, do that. Uh, we can successful in this. And after that, we have the update information to all the coffee sector in Vietnam and you all here, you are here together and we learn and try to forget for the another place in the future. That's it, this is my, uh, from my side. Thank you very much for the listening, listening me. And if you don't have, a, if you have any question, further question, please contact me and Shido. Thank you. Thank you, Enkit, for your very interesting uh, sharing. Um, it's thrilling to learn that you are not addressing just a shallow issue, but you are trying to build countries of future farmers who can lead the, the sustainable initiative of the coffee sectors in Vietnam. And it's interesting that you are also kind of integrating um, the digital technologies early in their education and training. Um, well, now let's just move to the next um, presenters. Um, I would like to introduce Mr. Ngoc from uh, Nestle Vietnam. Um, so in Vietnam, Nestle has been working with farmers to support them in implementing regenerative um, practices um, via the Nest Cafe Plan Initiative launched like 10 years ago and the PPP approach, also known as the Coffee Task Force. So far, um, we have been able to reach over um, 16 million plant fed of um, high yielding disease resistant coffee varieties, um, which has been distributed to the grower in five central highlands of Vietnam. This has helped to renew over 46,000 hectares of age and low productive coffee areas, and also provide strong support to the government coffee rejuvenation programs. The initiative has helped to protect the, um, the natural environment through re reducing the carbon emission through uh, practices like reducing the water use and um, appropriate chemical fertilizer and pesticide use. So Mr. Ngoc, he, he has been helping with a farmer in addition to coffee. He also supported farmer with pepper, cocoa, cashews, um, projects in Daklak and Vietnam. So now allow me to step back to for, for, for Mr. Ngoc from Nestle to, um, to share us about his experience. Thank you, Mr. Ngoc. Hang up, 
It's okay. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you well. Yeah. Good afternoon, my dear friend. Today, on behalf of Netlay Vietnam, I would like to share the showcase for Netcafe Plan in Vietnam regarding the intergrouping model to improve the smallholder income in Vietnam. <clears throat> you know that uh, every year, actually, Netlay Vietnam had been partnership with Red Lion to carry out the um, monitoring and evaluation assessment. Uh, to identify the current activity and also to see how to go further. And you can see that uh, actually we have very good trend. Uh, every year we have seen that around 6% of the current situation of um, coffee has been shipped to interprobin model. But you can see that uh, actually from um, the current situation, uh, we have seen that many interprobin models have been in place around 80%, but in with only 37% A in the rubber model. That, that reason why we have to go to further. And you can see that the current situation right now, we have very good trend. Uh, the farmer has been shipping from uh, crop invasion from monoculture to the crop biodiversity. That means uh, from traditional monocropping practice, you can see that uh, the farmer would like to keep it in order to increase efficiency of planting, increase the, the yield and also the habitat. But you see problem A, they can increase the risk of disease or bad. Uh, and in this case, uh, when they shift to the intergrouping practice, they can optimize the land yield and also improve the income. And this initiative uh, actually has been um, introduced by Metcafe um, Plan and Agriculture Services in 2012. And you can see right now, uh, you can see very the best picture uh, on there and all not of the error in Metcafe Plan that has been shipped to the proper intergrowing model. And uh, the benefits, how the benefit to this one? Mostly you can say that uh, we be improve the diversity of eco ecology system reduce the water yield, reduce the chemical fertilizer, and also to control the waste suspension. And you can see that uh, uh, will be keep the farmer for stabilized yield and also improve the green coffee quality. And last but not least, will be increased and diversify the income for the farmer. And uh, you can see here, I, I just highlight very strong that, that uh, in our program, we have more than 21,000 farmers have been involved to this process. And uh, we also learn from the other project like uh, Agri-Closis, GSET and ZD and IDS. They also found that uh, with the intergrowing model will be low emission, especially you can see on, on, on the, the highlight over there, uh, very significant important for them. And the carbon footprint will be you see here, uh, the farmer we earn it, they go for intergrowing model. 
and uh, the creativity has been in uh, in play. We have been introduced and disseminated proper into coping model to all net cafe plant farmer and also to our net cafe country like Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand, and uh, and China. And uh, how to do so? Actually, we also focus on firstly on the farmer organization or capacity improvement through the trend of trainer. And you can see that we are continuously using the current 274 lead farmer. They will train on the GAP and Net Cafe Better Farming Practice annually. And uh, we also conduct the, the other activity in order to improve and also to appreciate the farmer like Farmer Appreciation Day or Coffee Day. Uh, but lastly, we also focus on the current farmer. Among of more than 21,000 farmers, we focus on more than 16,000 foresee farmers. We be trained on the key topic on GAP and Net Cafe Better Farming Practice and using the farmer school. And also we are using the uh, study tool like that on, on, on the field. This is the way of farmer to farmer sharing and learning. Uh, and in order to support the farmer, Netlay also support the uh, high hygienic coffee planet production and distribution to our farmer. And you can see that until now for the TOT, uh, we already conducted around 22 uh, TOT training and for farmer free school training, more than 300,000 farmer have been extended. And for study tour, around 32. And uh, for the planet distribution, actually we focus on the support for rejuvenation or renovation for aging coffee plantation, but not for new planting on the new area because we, are, we would like to ensure the deforestation. And uh, in order to support the farmer and also appreciate them, we every year together with uh, Netley and also the DDB partner, we, we, we organize the Vietnam Coffee Day and also Farmer Appreciation Day. And this one, you can see that uh, until now, among 21,000 farmers, we, we already put them on the, you can see on here, and then the, the phase of the best practice farmer already on, on the, uh, the, board of, uh, the label of the, the coffee, three in one. And uh, for, for the uh, interplay model, how to go for, you can see that uh, uh, why we, we, we say the rubber, because the rubber before, if you go to the field, you can see the farmer, they do whatever they want. That is also the, the problem. Uh, why a uh, rainforest lion uh, assessment have been found that among 80% have been uh, applied in the cropping model, only 37% in drop away. And drop away here, we promote the farmer with two rows of coffee and one row of black pepper. And in this case, you see they, they can very easily go on. And uh, this is the, the finding, you can see that uh, when we apply the coffee to uh, intercropping with black pepper and the durian, uh, we, we, we using at the fan around of the, the, the coffee plantation. And for acacia, we are using a bow tree for black pepper. And you can see that uh, for the first three years, 
you can see that the plate paper got the yield around one by two ton, durian two ton, and coffee is four ton. And uh, the income you can see uh, from black paper only 33% and mainly from coffee 53%. And the farmer can get profit around more than 12,000 US. And this one actually we, we are calculation based on the current price. And this will, will be, it depends on the price and you can see the income will be low and high. And that is uh, the first scenario. And the second one after five years, you can see the plate level go up to three tons, just see the, the normal and the durian are less than around one ton and the coffee is three ton. And you can see the farmer can see the income from crop uh, into growing tree, even double of the coffee. And you can see that they can get up to uh, 16, more than 16,000 US a year. And uh, that's why you can say that uh, the current uh, interproblem model has been introduced and adopted will be support for the farmer to raise the income up to before only 30 percent, but now one red to three percent. It depends on the current crop right. And we continue to expand the model for, for all, even not in, in the NACAFE plan region. That's it all. And thank you for your attention. Thank you, Ingot, for your very insightful and detailed sharing. I understand that Nestle is taking very bold measures to kind of like reduce its emissions um, throughout the co whole coffee value chain by 2030 and fulfill its uh, net zero goal by 2025 to promote a sustainable development of coffee and agriculture sectors in, in general uh, for a climate change response. Um, so just for many of you here to know that in addition to being the co-leader of the coffee task force in Vietnam, has, uh, Nestle has also stepped up its role as a private co-chair of the Partnership for Sustainable Agriculture in Vietnam and will take um, kind of like an active role in, in encouraging the business community to participate and contribute to the sustainable development of agriculture in Vietnam. Thank you, Wing Ngoc, um, Nestle, for your commitment and uh, to the sustainable development of Vietnam agriculture and particularly the coffee sectors. We look forward to seeing more impactful partnership and endeavors. And next, I would like to introduce Mr. Do Teng Chung from uh, Collective Action Initiatives uh, of the Global Coffee Platform in Vietnam. Teng Chung has been devoted over the 30 years of his career as a lecturer, researcher, and trainer of different development projects, particularly in the central highlands of Vietnam and the coffee sectors. For those who is new to the sectors, the global coffee platform is the involvement of the 4C Association, the Common Code for Coffee Communities, as of April um, 2016. Uh, and it has uh, various um, partners from different stakeholders. Um, and in addition to serve the membership, um, uh, accreditations and certifications, um, GCP has also been contributing significantly to the PPP framework here in Vietnam, um, particularly the Vietnam Coffee Coordination Board, and also 
a key player for the continuous um, development of the National Sustainability Curriculum, the NSC. So now, Anchun, we are eager to learn your experience in, in leveraging public-private partnership for effective uh, input management in sustainable uh, coffee development in Vietnam. Um, so yeah. Thank you very much, Zhang, uh, for your introductions. Yeah. First of all, I would like to extend my sincere thanks to the organizing board and all of you for giving me this opportunity to be together with you at this very important event. My presentations uh, consist of uh, three parts. Next example, please. The first part is an introduction of Global Coffee Platform and its Collective Action Initiative. The second part will highlight the Collective Action Initiative in Vietnam. And the third part I find very important is my sharing of experience and lesson learned from outside with you. As you know, now the global next mark as you know, Global Coffee Platform is a multi-stakeholder membership associations of coffee producer, cheddar, roaster, retailer, sustainability standard, and civil society, government and donor, united under a common vision to work together toward a thriving sustainable coffee sector for coming generations. Currently, we are working with more than 100 and 30 member and 11 country platform you know, globally. Next, please. We are running now uh, for the uh, different creative action initiative worldwide. The first one known as Uganda, Youth for Coffee Development of Farmer um, Forestry, um, um, Farmer um, Prosperity. And then the, the second one is in, uh, in Brazil, we are running the two uh, different collective action uh, yeah, initiative. The first one is focusing on uh, responsible new of uh, agrochemical. And the second one, all improved social well-being in Brazil coffee farming. In Vietnam at the moment, we are implementing the collective action in this initiative on responsible use of agro input for coffee in Vietnam. Next, please. The criteria for set up a collective action um, uh, in initiative. A collective action initiative is designed and developed based on a so-called pre-competitive approach to address an identified issue so of course it aligned with the national coffee platform and aligned with the local initiative. And all the designs outcome and impact generated from the initiative will be widely shared with uh, different stakeholders in the sector. And of course, GCP member and non-member are more than welcome to join our initiative. 
Nichtwissen. In Vietnam war auch Initiative Cover die entire Central Highland region, including the five main coffee producing provinces of Vietnam. We are working at not only at regional level, but in terms of awareness raising and advocacy, policy advocacy, we are, we are working at national level. The target of the initiative is reaching 200,000 coffee farmers The initiative is 4.5 years, lasting from June 2020 to December 2024. In the number number one, now we are focusing so, on glyphosate-related uh, issue. Here. Probably you know that glyphosate uh, become a very hot issue, well, yeah, not only in Vietnam for agriculture, but uh, in general, but but now uh, on the coffee sector in particular. And the second phase, in the second phase, the initiative will extend its activity of, to other chemicals, uh, including the instruction of, of alternative uh, for pesticide, herbicide, and uh, the instruction of the best weed management practices. And uh, the initiative for total investment value, you know, at more than 1.2 million euro, funded by the co-financing partner, as you can see in uh, on the screen, including Lavazza Foundation, IDH, GDP, Pit, GDE, Pit, Nestle, Southern Coffee, Newman Coffee Group, Chibo, and especially uh, the Vietnam Coffee Coordination Board. Next, please. So on the scene, you could you could see uh, our main activity and some first achievement based on the finding and uh, the design collected from our field research study. We developed a policy brief for submission to the central government, represented by Ministry of Agriculture and Rural uh, Development, uh, so that they can uh, address the glyphosate-related issue. And you could see that uh, one, some, uh, some communication and, and training product here, uh, such as uh, an integrated with management manual, a poster. And so far, we have been conducting uh, also a lot of uh, physical and virtual training courses for, for our, our partner in both public and private sector. Now I'm uh, moving to sharing uh, experience and lesson learned uh, with you. We believe that set setting up a well-structured initiative governance and management mechanism is one of the key factors to ensure the, the initiative success. Developing a clear communication strategy and procedure can ensure the smooth communication internally and externally. In addition, strengthening relationship and alignment with the other project program with similar objective and work scope. Um, we'll, by doing so, we will seek for more energy uh, synergy. We can save resources 
half and you can avoid double investment. We believe that uh, involving relevant partner, next please, involving relevant partner from the beginning. I mean, from uh, the initiative design process and during its implementation time, will increase their owner ownership sense. By doing so, we can leverage resources and share the cost and risk among one another. And influencing private sector and extension system via MOU in dissemination of knowledge and communications will help us efficiently reach out to a large number of targeted farmer and combining client experiment and a few load for on the ground fact-based evidence. By doing so, we can share reason and good practices for scaling up. We believe, we believe that engaging and consulting top expert and leader of state management bodies, research institutions, and private sector in development of the initiative policy lobby, training, and communication will make can make initiative product fully consented, recognized, disseminated, and used in the industry. Um, and with applying flexible implementation method to adapt to unexpected challenging situations, such as like you could see that now uh, in the context of the recent serious outbreak of COVID in Vietnam, uh, we make, can make initiative implemented on schedule with the desired quality. Last but not least, I would like to warmly welcome you all to join our collective action initiative RISO, because by doing so, you, you can achieve greater impact. By doing so, you can increase your visibility and we can share the cost and risk among one another. By doing so, we can strengthen our knowledge, enhance our reputations, and of course, we can save a lot of time for everybody. Thank you very much for your attention, and I think, I hope I can, everything is in time. Yes, thank you. If you have any question, please feel free to contact us. Thank you. Thank you, Enchung. Thank you for your very uh, interesting sharing about the global coffee platform and how you were able to yeah, integrate quite a lot of like public partners and private partners together to um, develop a joint initiative uh, to foster uh, better collaboration in the sectors. Um, again, thank you all the speaker for your very interesting sharing about the experience in Vietnam. So now let's move to the Q&A session. I've been seeing that there are quite some uh, discussion going on in the chat box. Um, so now, please, just any of you have like questions that you want to raise verbally to um, the speaker, you can write, raise your hand so that uh, we can unmute you uh, and you can ask the question directly to our speaker. Uh, or otherwise, uh, we could just start with the um, questions in the chat box first. 
Um, please also, if you have technical issue, you can just type your question in the chat box and, and hopefully um, the speaker, please, um, if you have time, please just like, uh, look into the uh, chat box and try to answer the questions uh, raised here. Thank you. Okay, so now I'm not I'm not seeing anyone raising hands. So let's just um, start with the question in the chat box. I've been seeing quite a lot of questions uh, about the intercropping model. So maybe I can introduce Ngoc again to step back and and answer a few questions. Uh, I've been uh, seeing that. Um, let me see. Um, uh, so we've been. Um, yeah, so I'll, uh, hold on. Let me just pull the question again. Um, okay, um, so I have uh, Mr. Ngoc and uh, Mr. Dave, I think he, he's from Lavaza, right? Um, yeah, so he asking if uh, the income is cross or net. Um, and Ngoc, could you just um, answer a little bit about the intercropping models, um, how to bring the most um, benefit for, uh, for coffee members, uh, uh, farmers about the density of um, pepper intercrop? Thank you, Beth. Actually, you see, uh, where we do the calculation here, we mostly were using frost, not not net uh, profit. Yes, because it depends on the coffee price and also the the intercropping model has been applied by the farmer. Because you see, for the short model, I already introduced like eighty percent of farmer have been applied, but only uh, thirty-seven percent in rubber way. In, in, in this case, uh, actually, the, we, we got a different feel because the yen and also the other um, element not contribute to the um, good set for the farmer, like uh, stable income and also the, the coffee, because we would like to still keep the coffee the main crop. Otherwise, you see, uh, the other crop will be the main crop, like you can see now. When you visit uh, the coffee plantation uh, surrounding Bumato City, and you can see the coffee intercropping tree even more than the, the main tree in the coffee. And uh, I also have seen there um, the question regarding uh, about the uh, density of the intercropping model. Will be the, the one I present actually the more the proper one, because we have been identified, farmer have been applied so many different models, even they can use a lot of our refractory tree uh, in the coffee plantation and the bow tree for black pepper. But we have seen that only acacia is the proper one to keep the stable yield for bow tree, that is the black pepper and also for coffee. Um, that, that, that's the first one. And we also have seen that uh, the people talking about why you know, or when we do the intergrowing model, the coffee yield will go down. Actually, you see uh, the coffee with 
the average yield in Vietnam around two by six to seven tons per hectare. But now the farmer would like to go for four, even 10 tons per hectare. But actually that is not sustainable way because we had found that uh, after we carry out the farmer preschool record keeping and we found that even the farmer, they have more coffee, but they less income because they build a lot of investment on, on, on that one regarding um, fertilizer, regarding labor, and also you see the, the other, the cost will be heavily for the investment side. So that's why we identify, I think at least 10 different model, and we found that uh, uh, with black paper, but not put in the middle, but should be in the row. Uh, yeah, the, the one we introduced so far, actually the farmer had to uproot one, one more row of coffee and plant with the plate paper, but not inside. As you can see many models uh, on the field where you can see the farmer just put the plate paper in, in, in the middle of the tree, but that is the one we not recommend the farmer to do so. Then uh, the, that, that is, uh, you see when we introduce this one, you can see on the picture I have saw on my presentation, that is the one the farmer before they they also not um, not allow not not want us to to go for, but now they say uh, when we introduced this one since 2012 until now and they are luckily because you see they still keep both coffee and black pepper in 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 the wood set even uh, the coffee and black pepper price for last two years very low in 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 in, in seven years but they have no problem. But for the one, they put more uh, into a roping tree and they got a bit issue. Like you see, when the price of black paper go down and they uproot the black paper and now they put back and I think that is impossible to do so. So, so that, that is the first part. And we are welcome for any explanation and also to make clear how about the one we have been introduced to our farmer. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think the the questions on intercropping is like quite um quite of interest to many people here. So, but but we will may have to drop these and just move to the other topics. Um, I think uh, people here are also interested to know how to uh, for how small holder farmer want to be part of a of the mobile model of Nestle and JDs. Um, I know I'm, I'm not sure I'm seeing JD here uh, is still uh, here with us to address the questions. Um, Thank you very much, Dan. I think uh, missing out on a mm. very full view of the answering. So no additional from my side. Thank you. Yeah, or, or hang up. I mean, I know that you have been engaging over 100,000 uh, farmers in the future. So like if they want to join the of, uh, of the Nestle um, initiative, then uh, do you have any recommendation for them? See that uh, actually right now, uh, like the presentation from Ngpit and Ngchung, you can see that actually the uproar we are using are nearly the same. We would like to build up the very strong farmer organization beforehand to do the, the other activity. So that's why we consider the key activities should be focused on the farmer improvement, both on the knowledge and also the skill. Because you see, uh, the, if we got the very big team of the project team, many people, but we don't have any strong team on the grassroots level like the farmer, especially for the lead farmer. 
then we can we cannot do anything. For the case of Netlay Vietnam, uh, Netcafe plan we have been uh, carried out in I think literacy also know very well for beginnings in 2011 when we were 4C. Then uh, in the first side, the farmer and so not so instructing about because they know that um, nowadays so many sustainable coffee development program. But you see, in the end, when the project complete, then everything gets back to the normal. So that's why the, the use case we, we have been so actually now we already together with farmer for more than 11 years and they, they are still with us. And even we, we can expand the model. Uh, in right now, uh, you see, uh, we have partnership with many um, actors in the coffee value chain, even uh, ZDE and Netle also on board to support uh, many projects uh, in Vietnam regarding how to remote the farmer for the sustainable de uh, coffee development program. But in, in uh, you see, in, in, in the new approach, because we we will not count on the number or the uh, but we count on the value. You see, because before the farmer they very proud. They say I am the number one in Vietnam because I can produce up to ten ton, twelve ton of coffee. But in the reality, the one yes three ton like the one I already mentioned three ton of coffee and three ton of plate but they got more income to the other. Because you see, for 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 Netlay Vietnam and Netcafe plan, now we also go for digital. Then uh, we highly recommend you see other partner also using the digital line, uh, like the digital farmer fieldbook. And this one we will automatically uh, consolidate and also give up the figure, the trend, how to go for the farmer. Because now a day we we cannot carry out the trending uh, have been planned before. But we have to carry out the training based on the training needs assessment, uh, beyond the, the needs from the farmer side. Otherwise, you see very boring for them to extend because they know. Sometimes you see they extend because they, they get some benefits. Like in some program, they got the envelope. In some program, they have the dinner, learn, or you see get the gift and also. But when you raise the demand from the farmer side, uh, when they, they, they are need and they will go together with us, uh, even in the long term. And uh, that's why you see well, what we have been doing so far together with our partner actually at in, in very good set. And uh, we also appreciate the support from uh, uh, current uh, activity from Renfrew Lion, uh, ZD, IDS, Ro Asia, and also the, the other actor in the coffee value chain. Like, like ZD and, and La Bazaar or Netle. Um, yeah, thank you, Ngoc. Yeah, thank, thank you for yeah, thank you for your very detailed sharing. I mean, you even like step up to the other topic, um, like how to uh kind of mobilize the resource beyond um your the company itself. I think um just still on the same topic. Uh, maybe Yang Chung from from GCP, you have uh, a lot of experience working with uh with um public stakeholder. I think um then um, maybe you can com com contribute a little bit uh, on the similar topic and how we have been successfully in engaging um with um public stakeholders here. Well, thank you, Chang, for a very good question. Um. I think uh, probably the condition and situation of Vietnam are quite uh, different from the one in the Philippines or in the Indonesia. 
in Vietnam, without the government, we cannot do anything. I'm sorry, <laughs> like this. For example, uh, uh, when we tackle the problem related uh, um, uh, to the use and trade of glyphosate, for example, we involve the local government, central and local government, for example, we are working with the people committee so that they can take action uh, by propagating of the, the regulations. Um, you could see that uh, the glyphosate was banned fully on the 30th of, of June this year, for example. I, I believe that uh, in order to reach such a target, uh, we had a lot of contribution uh, from private sector, from NGO, uh, we call it lobbying or advocacy, whatever you, you can call it. And uh, so the role of government, coordination role, um, role or instruction role, very important. And they are also in charge of uh, law enforcement as well, for example. Uh, what happens if uh, people, um, uh, they don't sell for glyphosate at daytime, but at nighttime, for example, without government, we cannot do anything. Of course, we uh, we don't use a so-called uh, top-down approach, but at least uh, I think we need to raise the sense of uh, responsibility and we need to mobilize uh, contribution uh, from, from the government. Uh, I believe that they play very important roles, yes. Yeah, um, th thank you, Wenchung, for your very sharing. Like, interesting that you can have a uh, Muntai kind of like approach from top down and bottom up, and even in the middle. Um, yeah. GCP has been working wonderfully in kind of like navigating the whole landscape and coordinate all stakeholders together. I think we have just like one last minute, maybe the last minute for Anthea to share the directions. Uh, I think uh, we have a questions from, uh, from a, from a uh, 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 a participant from Indonesia asking about uh, that there are various certification body for coffee and if there are any direction for the futures, if uh, one will be um, doing the certification body to for coffee to cover all sustainability, scope like organic um, de deforestation, carbon emission or child level. Uh, maybe Ankit, can you just share some of your uh, perspective on this uh, comment? Yes, thank you for the question. Uh, as you know now in the world right now, we have the 4C, we have the UT, we have a Rainforest Alliance, we have a fair trade, we have organic and good practice belong to the style. And now UT and Rainforest Alliance merged since the quarter one, uh, 20, 2028. Now UT and Rainforest become the one together. And it depends, the certification requirement is standards. The client can decide which one is helpful for them. For example, Rainforest Lion uh, standards now, we have to focus on the management and administration of the program. We have to focus on the agricultural practices for the improve uh, the income. We have a social, uh, we have environment. That may include all the criteria of the sustainable in general. Uh, for the coffee uh, sector, the people who decide which one they can apply with. It's very easy for the, the, the coffee center because the who is the decision? Because this in the coffee supply chain is the final processor is the big player of the coffee roaster. For example, GDE. GDE knew very well about what kind of the certification program they can do with. Don't worry about this. 
But it is you yeah. said, in, in your question, you see the only CB, but in certification work, we don't use CB as the certification program. CB we call either the one independent organization who authorized by the certification itself and then help us to check and audit the people who comply with the requirement of standard or not. So mm. the conclusion is the people who can decide by themselves when they go to through the standard and they know which one is the best one for them. Yeah, thank you, Ainted, for your sharing. I, I know that JDE and, and CEU have been engaging quite a lot of certification uh, agenda. So maybe you want to, like, within just uh, less than a minute, can you share some of uh, your experience? Go back to me because I, I fully agree with Ainted. It's a very well qualification, the question. However, from my side, that we are for sure that certification, verification is still very important for the future as well, because it's very linked to the, the supply and demand as well, right? So uh, we do hope that uh, uh, for, for the future, any, uh, our customer is very important to request for this. Uh, for example, JD for us, uh, for, for us, uh, responsibilities so is very important. So that's why the company we make our public announcement that in the year 2025, we are going to buy 100% of responsibility. So it means that's uh, from uh, not only from our commitment, but I, I think that's from our friend. Um, and also for many companies uh, around the world also make a lot of con contributions. So, uh, I mean, that's uh, very much uh, it depend on uh, supply and demand uh, as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, NC, for your sharing about the, uh, the orientation in the future and how partners can kind of like link the current uh, sustainability program into futures like optical uh, expectations. I think we're running out of time for Vietnam. Sorry that you have quite a lot of uh, questions, but if you have questions, just please type in the chat box so that our speaker can still answer your questions. Now, I would like to introduce Ms. Uh, Ken uh, Suwari Maharani, um, our strategic engagement manager from Peace Agro for the session about Indonesia. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Zhang. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, thank you to all of the speakers uh, from Vietnam for the presentations. Really great insights on the uh, sustainability practice and partnership effort in um, Vietnam's coffee sector. Um, my name is Ken uh, from Partnership for Indonesia Sustainable Agriculture, Pisagro, uh, who will uh, uh, right now will be moderating this uh, next session uh, on the uh, coffee sector in Indonesia. Um, Indonesia is one of the biggest uh, coffee producer and exporter in the world, and um, our islands in Sumatra, Java, Bali, to Sulawesi produce high quality specialty coffee. And um, here in Indonesia, we uh, produce both Robusta and Arabica variants, and 90% of our uh, plantations are uh, dominated by smallholders uh, with small hectares of land and also here in Indonesia the coffee demand um, especially for young people is actually growing and sales of specialty coffee from uh, uh, several regions in the country has been um, uh, significantly uh, rising over the years and not only locally but also the demand for the export of, uh, for Indonesia uh, coffee products ha has also been contributing significantly to um, the Indonesia uh, GDP. But also there are still challenges here. Um, I'm sure later our speakers will talk more on this. Um, um, the challenges uh, here in Indonesia, including um, 
consistency of the production volume, the quality, the competitiveness, and also um, the partnership effort here in Indonesia. And um, today we are going to hear more from our speakers uh, um, on Indonesia coffee uh, industry. First, we have uh, Mr. Rubens uh, Marki. He is the CEO of Louis Dreyfus Company Indonesia. Uh, hi, Rubens. I see you already joining. Um, I hope you are good. Um, thank you uh, for joining us today. Um, Rubens uh, joined LDC in, in 2011 as uh, the Indonesia Head of Palm and Biofuels, where he uh, spearheaded the development of palm business in Indonesia. And he's also experienced in overseeing and driving LDC's uh, palm expansion across Europe. And in 2018, he was appointed as the CEO of Louis Traders Company in Indonesia. And LDC work in coffee sector in Indonesia um, uh, are uh, very uh, vast, uh, uh, including originating and processing Indonesian coffee, especially uh, coffee um, from Sumatra, and serving customers ranging from specialty roasters to multinational food companies. And um, today, Rubens is going to share uh, about the regeneration of the Indonesian coffee sector. So um, Rubens, please, the next 10 minutes are yours. Thank you very much, Ken. Um, appreciate a lot the opportunity to to be here today um, learning a lot from uh, the experience of our colleagues in Vietnam uh, very good to see that we are also on on the right track in Indonesia with our initiatives um, as you mentioned I, I learned a lot from my palm oil experience um, I spent quite a bit of time in Europe trying to develop um, that product um, from Indonesia, and I think I've I've managed to really learn a lot about the challenges and opportunities. And I think um, I've been able to use a lot of that experience in coffee as uh, we are going through a very similar journey. Um, I think Ken already mentioned I've been in Indonesia for the past ten years. Um, I can already call it home away from home. Um, I am originally from Brazil, though a very big uh, coffee producer and consumer as well. Um, I think I, I would like to start by giving a, a quick overview of um, Louis Dreyfus. So if we can pr please go to the next slide. I always like to start by just uh, talking a little bit about our values. Um, and the reason I, I do that is because um, I do believe that sustainability has to be uh, at the core of what we do. Um, um, we have a lot of business managers on this call. We have a lot of sustainability managers. And we know that if sustainability is not being um, taken uh, by, by the leadership as a priority, and if it's not a top-down approach, it can be quite frustrating for us sometimes to come up with sustainability initiatives and, and to continue to raise the bar in terms of sustainability standards. So I'm, I'm very proud to, to, to see, you know, to say that in our vision, in our purpose, you can clearly see that you know, LDC is committed to work uh, towards um, a more sustainable future. So, um, and when we talk about creating value, it has to be sustainable value. So obviously as a, as a merchant, we have a big task in our hands to produce more food. Um, and we can only do that if we do it sustainably. So again, that's the biggest challenge we have. How can we do more with less resources, right? The resources are getting more and more scarce, but we still have a, a, a very big challenge to sustain um, the production of food for a growing population. So um, I, 
I truly believe that sustainability at a core as a core value can be very powerful. If we can go just quickly to the next slide, um, just some numbers about um, LDC uh, worldwide. Company was founded in 1851. In fact, this year we celebrate our 170th birthday. Uh, we handle close to 80 million tons of commodities across six regions and over 100 countries. And uh, we do so through eight different business units. And the coffee platform is actually a very important one. It's one that um, has given the company a lot of good results and also has given us a very good incentive to invest further in that business. As a matter of fact, we just came out with an announcement for a new soluble plant in Vietnam uh, that we, we are building and should be ready in the next two years. If we can go to the next slide, please. We talk a little bit more about our sustainability approach. So for us, what does it mean to be fundamentally sustainable? I mean, obviously we have to look after the environment um, and not only um, in the supply chain uh, that we participate, but also within our own operations. So, you know, just very much like um, Nestle and other, and other uh, companies in, in the sector, we are also coming up with our own um, emission reduction targets. Uh, we're talking about scope one and scope two emissions. Um, and we are always looking uh, for ways to reduce the environmental impact of our activities. Um, obviously we have a lot of uh, assets, industrial assets, and we, and we need to maximize um, the opportunities to reduce the consumption of water, of energy, and also the production of residual waste. Uh, and this is an ongoing effort. Um, we have to look after our people, our biggest assets, um, through a very stringent um, uh, work, safety, health, and environment policy. And this is part of the KPI of all the senior, management, uh, senior managers in the company. Com community engagement is very important, and I think that's what we, we are talking a little bit about today. So um, we believe in a very symbiotic relationship with all the communities that we reach out through our business. Um, and we do so independently, but also in collaboration with our uh, Louis Dreyfus Foundation. And this foundation is basically focused on sustainable farming projects. Uh, we, we work with um, existing farmers in, in all the origins that we're present. And we also work with the next generation of farmers. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, about vocational projects that we are engaged with. And obviously, the partners are very important. Um, as, a, as a big and leading merchant, we have a big responsibility and also a big opportunity to engage with different stakeholders in the supply chain, both upstream and downstream. So I think that gives us a very unique opportunity. And with um, platforms like Pisagro, we've been able to come up with very interesting collaborations. Uh, next slide, please. So just uh, zooming in, zooming in on, on, on Indonesia and uh, some of the things that we are uh, doing to contribute for the rejuvenation of the coffee sector. This is just a quick overview of what we are doing. Uh, we have a large presence in uh, Robusta in Indonesia with um, warehousing and processing facilities in Lampung. Um, and we also have some presence in Medan, which is uh, basically the Arabica hub in Indonesia. So that get, gives us an opportunity to work with both smallholder farmers in Arabica and 
uh, Robusta. We've been in the coffee business in Indonesia since 2007. Um, and we have um, about 80 people fully dedicated to that business in Indonesia. These are just uh, a sample of our partners, uh, JDE being uh, an important one. Um, but we have uh, many different partners that we collaborate with uh, in, when it comes to sustainability. Um, next one, please. So again, I would like to focus a little bit more on, on, on this slide. And I think Ken was already uh, talking a little bit about how coffee uh, in Indonesia is really being produced by um, small scale farmers. We are talking about one hectare per farmer. Um, and um, it's important to look at the historical and the social and economical background here. Obviously, um, Indonesia has been uh, growing co uh, coffee for quite some time. The coffee has been introduced since the late 1600s in the country. But if you look at the, at the evolution, actually we have not made that much progress as far as modernizing the, the, the coffee farming sector. So um, that means that there's a lot of room for improvement just by doing what has already been discussed here in, in Vietnam, just by doing uh, capacity building, working with farmers to increase their awareness and also knowledge on just good agricultural practices. Um, there's also obviously um, a, a need for um, a bit of investment in, in um, financing, um, not only replanting, but the existing um, businesses um, and addressing potential inequalities there, um, you know, gender inequalities that sometimes we see. So again, we've been um, spending quite a bit of time just um, addressing that, that part of, of the equation. But there's another interesting um, development, which I think is, a, is something a little bit more recent, which is, um, what's gonna to happen to the next generation of farmers, right? As we see a lot of startups, we see a lot of new, um, new businesses that are way more attractive than traditional farming. So we do see um, a lot of the young people um, losing interest in um, coffee farming. Um, and, and, you know, coffee is just not as profitable, but also not as attractive enough um, as, a, as a business. So that's something that, um, we, we are also trying to address with uh, some of our vocational projects that we are doing now in, in Indonesia. Obviously the environmental um, impact is a catalyst for all that. So we are seeing a lot of issues in Indonesia, especially for the production of Arabica coffee. Uh, we see uh, soil erosion, uh, fertility issues, um, lack of tree shades, um, uh, deforestation, uh, and, and that's all being kind of accelerated by climate change. So if we do not address, um, you know, the social and economical aspect, um, it's gonna be very difficult for the farmers to get ready for the challenges that are yet to come um, with, with the climate changes that we are facing. Um, and then obviously what we see as, a, as, a, as the biggest threat is a potential decrease in uh, the production of coffee in Indonesia in the, in the long run. And, and or a shortage of uh, workforce uh, dedicated to coffee farming. Um, so again, that's kind of the, the, the conundrum. And um, what we are trying to do is contribute to addressing the root cause, which is basically to prepare the existing generation of farmers uh, to become more um, economically sound and, and also to focus more on sustainable practices and, and not forgetting the next generation of farmers. 
Uh, next one, please. So um, what, we, what we are doing in terms of regeneration, um, we are basically working on capacity building for farmers. Uh, we do a lot of training um, in partnership with uh, uh, JDE um, and also the Louis Dreyfus Foundation and Pure Projet. So we focus a lot on um, you know, simple practices like uh, grafting, like uh, just uh, compost applications. Um, you know, there's a lot of low hanging fruits, uh, no pun intended, obviously when it comes to uh, the coffee sector in Indonesia. And so far we've been very effective in increasing the productivity, increasing the, in improving the quality of the, of the coffee that is being produced. Um, and we will continue to, to use that as a tool uh, to improve uh, uh, you know, as much as possible the livelihood of the farmers within our supply chain. Obviously also we look at the uh, ecosystems, so just better soil and water conservation practices. Uh, we engage a lot in agroforestry, um, which not to be confused with intercropping in the sense that we are not displacing coffee production. If anything, we are just um, providing shade for the trees. Um, and uh, obviously when the trees uh, start producing, it's uh, an additional or an alternative income for the farmers. Um, so that's at least how, how we look at it. Um, I cannot stress uh, enough how important it is to engage in partnerships. Uh, we always look for um, stakeholders in the private sector, but always engaging with the public sector as well to have uh, an, an impactful project um, and as much as possible, we try to involve people across the supply chain, including both our suppliers and customers. Uh, next one, please. And I think I'm running a bit of time. So this is the last slide. Um, some of the some of the KPIs that uh, that we managed to achieve: uh, four hundred and fifty thousand trees planted, or over over four hundred and fifty thousand of uh, fifteen different species. I've seen a lot of questions about the different species. We can talk a little bit more, a little bit more about that. Those, those trees are now um, coming to production. So we are still in the process of um, monitoring the, um, the results and, and the impact on, on the farmer's livelihood from the production uh, of those fruit trees. Um, in terms of the gap trainings, we, we've worked so far with over 10,000 farmers. Um, and 700 hectares worth of land that, that was restored. And also we've helped to build uh, four Arabica coffee community uh, nurseries. Um, the, the, the main results have been, and for me the most important, we can see a change of mindset. So a lot of the sustainability values um, are, are now getting more imprinted in, in this uh, current generation of farmers and we are working to get those values imprinted in the next generation of farmers. So we can see that as, a, as a, probably the biggest uh, achievement. Um, obviously you have a lot of tangible, so adoption of better farming practices with, uh, for, for example, 10% reduction in the use of um, herbicides. Um, another positive impact is on yield improvement. I saw my colleague in Vietnam saying, um, you know, two to two and a half tons a hectare. In Indonesia, we are still running a little bit behind, uh, but we've seen quite quite a, a good result. I think um, in a recent survey, 
we are reporting about 22% yield improvement, but in some cases it can get up to 50% improvement. So obviously this is a very important um, milestone uh, as Indonesia needs to catch up on the productivity of coffee. Uh, and as I mentioned, the agroforestry results are coming out now. Uh, the, normally the trees take to five to seven years to, to start uh, producing, uh, but we're quite optimistic that we will see obviously a positive impact on um, revenue generation and diversification for the farmers that we are working with. Ken, I think I'm, I'm pretty much done with my seven to 10 minutes. So with that, I would like to thank you again for um, having me and, and for sharing your experience and I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Yes, um, thank you Ruben for um, the, uh, the presentations and the insights uh, uh, from uh, LDC Indonesia on uh, your uh, activities, especially in the uh, vocational uh, activities, capacity building for um, the farmers, not only the existing farmers, but also the um, uh, you are also um, uh, having uh, involving more um, younger farmers uh, in your uh, uh, projects, um, and you also um, stressing on um, the importance of um, partnership, um, not only uh, amongst the uh, companies and also uh, the, the uh, uh, private sectors related, but also partnership with public um, uh, actor uh, as in uh, governmental agencies, for instance, uh, uh, in, in, in the uh, activities that you have. Um, okay, I think we are going to talk more on that in the uh, Q&A sessions later, uh, uh, if you can stay uh, for a while here. Um, uh, next, we have um, Mr. Fitrian Adiansyah. Um, he is the chairperson of the Sustainable Trade Initiative, uh, IDH Indonesia. Hi, Pafitrian. Uh, I see you're already here joining us. Um, glad to see you today. Hope you are well. Thank you for joining us. Um, Mr. Fitrian is Global Envoy for uh, Nature-Based Solutions at uh, IDH Sustainable Trade Initiative, uh, Executive Chairman and Founder of the Sustainable Trade Initiative in Indonesia and Country Representative of IDH in Malaysia. Uh, he has more than 24 years working experience in the field of sustainability, environmental economics, natural resource management, commodities, climate change, uh, and energy in Indonesia, Australia, and Asia Pacific. And Pavitrian is also a board member of Pisagro and also board member of Indonesia Sustainable District Alliance and Sustainable Coffee Platform uh, of Indonesia. And today he is going to share on how to enhance uh, deforestation free commodities through very fast sourcing area or VSA for coffee sector in Indonesia. Uh, Pavitrian, uh, the floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Ken. Uh, hopefully you can hear me uh, quite clear. Um, talking, yeah, in a, a very crowded uh, or noisy uh, coffee. Uh, we're talking about coffee, so it should be in coffee. Uh, we start. Um, thank you so much for these invitations uh, to Croatia as well. I think uh, many of the panelists or speakers uh, before me have already mentioned quite well about the importance of uh, transforming and so supporting uh, the development of sustainability in the coffee sector. Uh, Ruben also has mentioned quite clearly. Uh, can you hear me? I... Yes, we can hear you uh, well, Pavitrian. Okay, so um, I would uh, like to say that 
um, the idea of the very fast sourcing areas. Uh, if you can uh, share the uh, screen, uh, thank you so much. Uh, is uh, or has come from the fact that uh, we've been developing uh, interventions in uh, different supply chains uh, in Indonesia and also every or other countries uh, trying to support uh, you know farmers and also uh, companies uh, in the context of transforming uh, the practices. But uh, we also uh, did realize and we still do realize that uh, any support in the supply chains, uh, you know, supporting transformation and sustainability would mostly only benefit those that are uh, considered as players or beneficiaries of the supply chains. And then uh, in 2015, if you remember, uh, we experienced forests uh, and land fires uh, in Indonesia, especially in uh, Sumatra. Uh, we then uh, tried to change uh, the approach. Um, I'm trying to use uh, the... Can you hear me now? I hope uh, you can hear me now. Um, much better. So. Yeah, in, we can yes. we can hear you, but uh, there are still noises uh, at the background. Yeah. But we can hear clearly. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about this. Uh, hopefully, this is much better. Um, well, anyway, um, in, in 2015, um, uh, we realized that uh, even uh, the support that we do uh, or we did uh, for farmers and also concessions and companies uh, along particular supply chain would, would only benefit the, those uh, players in the supply chain. And then uh, the experience in 2015 um, uh, told us that, uh, for instance, uh, when it comes to fires, when it comes to deforestations, uh, even if you got certifications, you know, farmers got certification or companies got certifications, but the surrounding areas, uh, the players in the surrounding areas were still doing business as usual, uh, the impacts uh, are going to be felt by everyone. I mean, fires, for instance, uh, have told us that uh, you know, in jurisdictions or provinces in Sumatra or Kalimantan uh, impacted uh, by fires. Uh, so this is something that we then realized that uh, since we are, uh, you know, approaching and working together with the different private sectors uh, in different commodities, uh, we think that we should uh, come up with some sort of a concept in which we can aggregate uh, the challenges and also address those similar challenges given uh, these are faced by uh, different commodities in particular areas uh, in, a, in a common and, and, and in a you know, similar desktop of uh, activities and efforts. So this is something we, uh, we let's say, uh, we, we did uh, and based uh, on this kind of uh, uh, justification and also reasons, uh, come up with uh, the ideas of very fast sourcing area. Uh, next slide, please. So we... Can you change to the next slide, please? Okay, so we then see uh, the importance of not only working with the private sector um, when it comes to the uh, development of the sourcing area or very sourcing area, because whether you are cultivating uh, palm oil, rubber, coffee, cocoa, many different things are faced uh, when it comes to challenges uh, by farmers or by uh, different companies are quite similar land legality, strengthening farmers' organizations, lack of input, uh, lack of uh, uh, you know, access to uh, finance as well as uh, access to market. So then we group this type of similar uh, challenges uh, and then talk to uh, different players in similar jurisdictions and then ask also the government uh, to come in. 
and with government uh, playing a, a vital role uh, to work with the government to develop what we call green power plan. So this is a, a kind of a, a starting point uh, to provide uh, a different umbrella framework showing uh, not only to the government but also to the private sector and the farmers that government uh, especially at the subnational level now is quite uh, serious about pushing forward for sustainability. And of course, this shouldn't stop at this uh, level or at these directions. We want this to be then translated into the programs and new planning as well as budget. Without a certain uh, sufficient budget coming from the government, it will be much challenging for uh, them and also for the private sector partners uh, to push forward for transformation. So this is our something that uh, we uh, you know, have been undertaking uh, and also working in collaborations with uh, the government as well as the private sector in ensuring that the policy framework, uh, the programmatic framework, as well as, as, well as the budget uh, uh, development, uh, you know, in a way synergize uh, to support the transformations in a particular jurisdiction or sourcing areas. But this is not also uh, sufficient. And so we need to connect not only the government proper sector, but also the eventual buyers. The eventual buyers that would like to have uh, sustainable products or verified products, uh, they need also to, uh, you know, start from the beginning working together with the farmers as well as with uh, local organization and local government to ensure that the development will then lead to uh, matching uh, the requirement of the market. And we also then um, uh, work together from the get-go with the financiers because to have transformation, especially in this kind of scale, would require tremendous amount of costs, tremendous amount of investment, and we we, we want and we have to. Uh, engage and also uh, bring uh, from the beginning uh, the financiers uh, to see also what sort of gaps uh, that we can address and what sort of investment uh, in, you know that can include uh, capex and also opex uh, to have this kind of transformations. Uh, next slide, please. So this is just an uh, an example. Uh, uh, next slide, please. Uh, of uh, one particular very sourcing areas uh, that we have developed. Uh, this is in Aceh. Uh, just a disclaimer, um, the beginning or the prototyping of this very uh, sourcing area in Aceh Tamiang and Aceh Timur started with two commodities, palm oil and rubber. But now uh, with other districts in Aceh, we are also trying to incorporate uh, coffee, cocoa and spices. And I think eventually also aquaculture. Uh, basically, uh, after the regulatory framework uh, that we got uh, with the, the local government, uh, we then created and facilitated uh, and supported uh, the uh, compact or the agreement among different stakeholders. And of course, uh, with the leadership of local government, uh, the agreement uh, consisted of, uh, let's say, the targets of how much productivity that we want to uh, achieve. Uh, and because of that, we know the baseline and uh, we understand what sort of gaps uh, uh, that we can also to address. Uh, of course, quality uh, of the, the products, strengthening farmers, and, and so on and so forth. The second element would be what sort of element of what sort of component of uh, protections ecosystem that we want also to contribute. Uh, because many uh, companies and many buyers have asked that they want to uh, particularly source uh, commodities, be it coffee, palm oil, and others. 
uh, coming from the areas that are not linked to deforestations or not linked to fires or not linked to uh, ecosystem degradations or biodiversity degradations. So we want also to see whether there are commitments uh, coming from different stakeholders uh, to achieve this and also to contribute to the protection, restorations and conservation of ecosystems. As you can see in this area, for instance, there are concessions as well as farmers' uh, land or farm lands that are located in the buffer zone of Loisor ecosystem. So we then would like to improve their own uh, productivity in their own land. Uh, with that, uh, we also want them to contribute back to the restoration and uh, of uh, Loisor ecosystem. Uh, last but not least, of course, we want uh, to have an objective in which uh, any intervention in these areas would then contribute to uh, the improvement of welfare of smallholders. So these are the things that uh, I think uh, can uh, be used as the foundations of not only the agreement, but also the milestone and program uh, to achieve verified sourcing area. But to have verified sourcing area, of course, you have to develop the system, a transparent system in which buyers, growers, local government and farmers need to agree upon with certain KPIs uh, that are also agreed. So this kind of the connections uh, that we have developed, uh, starting with farm, gradually uh, now uh, with rubber and also different commodities, including coffee and cocoa. Next slide, please. So just to give you uh, examples, uh, with uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't call this success, but with the progress made in Aceh Tamiang and Aceh Timur, now certain districts are also willing. Uh, to uh, be exploring or to explore uh, options to develop their own sourcing areas in Aceh and Sumatra, in which coffee and different commodities are also part of uh, the uh, components or commodities that uh, would like uh, that, that would be uh, developed uh, in this kind of a uh, you know system. I think the idea is uh, relatively interesting and also exciting uh, because uh, any farmers. Uh, in this area, mostly, uh, or many farmers in this area, mostly they are not only cultivating one particular commodity. In many areas, they cultivate also uh, like two or three different commodities. So if we can tackle uh, this uh, or their uh, challenges in, in one go, I think the support will be uh, quite excellent and the contributions to the development of the sourcing areas uh, would be also uh, much better. Uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, the public goods uh, in uh, the sourcing area or the landscape or the jurisdictions will be felt or would be uh, part of uh, you know common objectives of, of different uh, companies or communities or of course uh, local stakeholders in, in this context. Uh, next slide, please. So one of the key uh, clear uh, elements as well that uh, to some extent uh, interesting for different companies that the way that we develop uh, sourcing areas so in uh, you know in different jurisdictions in indonesia and also i think in vietnam uh, we also have been developing in central highlands uh, linking to different companies for coffee uh, is that this system then uh, eventually and gradually would be linked to the source up system at the global level so the source up system at the global level uh, now currently uh, has been developed and is uh, still uh, continually uh, being developed uh, with the help of uh, different companies as well, you know, the, the, the global consumer good forum companies and different types of stakeholders as well to ensure that any development, any progress uh, achieved by certain jurisdiction would be then recognized 
uh, by buyers or uh, private sector companies uh, at the global level. So the connections of sourcing can then be attached uh, to, let's say, uh, the progress made by certain commodities or cultivation of certain commodities from the sourcing areas. And I think it's not only about products uh, and volumes uh, being developed, but also the attributions when it comes to impacts, when it comes to outcomes uh, related to protection, restorations, and inclusions. If you look at only particular projects, I think the uh, scalable impacts are quite limited. Let's say we work together only with 500 farmers, uh, maybe protection of forest or the protection of peatland would only cover like, let's say 1000 hectares. But with this kind of uh, jurisdictional sourcing area and source of connections, the protection of forest can be uh, reaching up to, uh, let's say, even you know, 100,000 or even half a million hectares. Of course, then we have to decide and we have to leave what sort of contribution that should come from different uh, entities and different parties at the local level and also uh, from uh, the big buyers. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, maybe this is my um, uh, last uh, components to share. As I mentioned earlier, to have scalable impacts or outcomes uh, coming from certain jurisdiction or certain sourcing areas would require huge amount of investment and capital and costs associated with this. I mean, protection, restorations, uh, in addition to of course, sustainable commodities improvement, it's not cheap. Uh, these are not cheap uh, endeavors. So uh, we uh, are currently working together with uh, certain financial institutions as our partners that would provide planet finance, personal guarantee, equity, mezzanine, uh, and different type of uh, uh, financial structure in which we hope that uh, this would then uh, be viewed as uh, an attempt to uh, reduce the risk associated with investment in jurisdiction, in sourcing area, and also in supply chains. Let's say if farmers, uh, we can cluster it into 5,000 uh, farmers or even like 1,000 farmers, if they have the uh, areas in the surrounding areas as forests or pitland, uh, sort of risks associated with this, of course, fires, of course, the encroachment, and then, of course, you know, uh, within uh, the uh, smallholders uh, themselves, they have still the risk of uh, not being able to pr produce uh, productively and with uh, higher quality. So with this kind of planet finance, uh, this associated with protection and, and, and conservation can be then supported uh, from the investment, like for instance, ecosystem services type of investment, whether this is biodiversity, carbon, or what have you. Uh, the like uh, of uh, uh, productivity and improvement, this can be blended with uh, certain investment coming from different impact investment. It can provide for uh, first loss guarantee. It can also secure, for instance, um, uh, the uh, period in which uh, farmers may not necessarily be uh, having uh, a productive uh, harvest. So uh, our uh, investment fund uh, partners, for instance, they can provide first guarantee in year one to year three. Uh, and then the commercial banks can uh, jump in or come in uh, in year, uh, let's say, uh, four uh, and, and, and beyond. So this is something that uh, we, we, uh, we've been uh, in experimenting and pushing forward this kind of blended finance. Uh, we got already three deals um, that have already been concluded in the pipeline. We got now five or something different deals. Uh, we are of course looking forward uh, for options and explorations with different partners. Hopefully with this kind of discussion, we can also have uh, new uh, ideas and new concepts uh, to be then uh, discussed and explored further. Next slide, please. 
Uh, next slide, please. Okay. So this is just an example in which um, finance can help a lot uh, to uh, transform uh, smallholders type of activities. Uh, this is a particular, uh, not necessarily only coffee, but different type of commodities, of course, in which uh, farmers in the context of Indonesia now, they have already uh, been allowed to manage a certain forests. It is 76,000 hectare forests this is from West Kalimantan. They have different commodities, including coffee. But of course, the license is given to them uh, by the government. It's not about improving commodity. It's about showing that uh, farms can also protect and manage forests uh, sustainably. But of course, they cannot do them uh, uh, you know, right away, and they cannot uh, do it by themselves. So we have to then figure out what sort of uh, good options uh, in terms of developing uh, their business model so that they can support the, the, uh, the operation as well as then uh, supporting uh, the protection and conservation of uh, the surrounding areas or the core zone of the uh, forest. So we manage uh, with them, with our private sector par partners uh, to co-invest in developing uh, a certain uh, companies that have shares uh, from uh, smallholders or small farmers. And then this, uh, have, uh, uh, this company has been then acting as the aggregator for different commodities, getting access to market. And then since two or three years ago, uh, they get also with a good you know, uh, return and revenue coming from different commodities, including uh, coffee. Uh, they, they have already been able to get a soft loan coming from different entities, including a government-owned uh, agency, as well as now FinTech uh, in, in Indonesia. So with that, uh, I would like to say, uh, next slide, please, uh, that I think it, it is quite uh, timely now to not only experiment and also exercise sourcing area, jurisdiction, landscape, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's not only about you know, uh, ensuring that the productivity can be improved, but sometimes uh, we have the, the saying in Indonesia, if you can address common issues together, uh, I think the impacts would be much more uh, scalable. Uh, I mean, land legality, for instance, not only uh, faced by uh, coffee farmers, it is also uh, faced by uh, farmers, rubber farmers, and what have you. If, local government then address land legality in, in one go. So different type of farmers will be then supported. Uh, farmers organization is quite similar. Uh, uh, improvement of productivity is quite similar. Access to market and also access to finance, uh, they are quite similar in terms of uh, key challenges and also key uh, issues that the farmers uh, ever face. So with that, thank you so much. Um, sorry with the, uh, with the, to the noise. Uh, hopefully you can hear me uh, quite well. Um, looking forward to the discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Pavitrian, uh, uh, for your um, um, presentation and for sharing uh, your experience, uh, particularly in the uh, verified sourcing area uh, approach that you have um, in uh, IDH. Um, if I may take some notes here, uh, we just learned that uh, the verified sourcing area or PSAs, we can consider it as one of the solutions to produce sustainable uh, products in this occasion is for uh, coffee products, and and it's uh, in Indonesia. It has been implemented in some areas that you already mentioned, and um, this uh, approach uh, provides a direct link uh, between the uh, producing regions and also to the end buyers. And this is um, in such an inclusive an um, approach, uh, uh, whereby you um, involve. Uh, all stakeholders, not only from uh, farmers, but also the companies and also um, governmental agencies to, like you said, to have um, 
a, a common understanding on how to um, take action on sustainability practice uh, within the area. And um, also um, this uh, approach is, um, this works towards a situation where uh, those uh, stakeholders are um, recognized for um, their sustainability practice um, beyond only uh, individual farmers or um, certain com uh, communities, uh, but uh, the whole holistic um, uh, um, stakeholders. Um, well, thank you again, Pavitrian, uh, for your presentation. Um, I believe there are some uh, questions uh, here in the chat box, but first, um, if there's uh, any of the participants would like to um, raise some questions directly to the speakers, um, please do um, raise your hands um, in uh, through the button uh, below in your Zoom. Um, if, uh, if there is no one who would uh, raise their hands, uh, let me check uh, on the um, chat box for the question uh, for the Google speaker. I think, um, okay. Um, I think there, there, there's a questions on um, the role of government institution. And um, I think this question is actually directed to Pavitrian, but I, I also wanna direct this question to Rubens, if I may. So um, the um, uh, role of uh, government um, agencies, maybe from Pavitrian, you can share uh, what, uh, how, how committed or how willing uh, are, uh, is the government um, to be involved in uh, this uh, very fast sourcing area approach. And then uh, for Rubens, perhaps uh, you have this um, uh, capacity building activities, vocational training with all the young farmers and also the existing farmers. Um, uh, are you also engaging with um, uh, gov uh, government agencies in uh, your um, working uh, project area? Um, please, may, uh, maybe uh, Fitrian, you can uh, go first. You're still on mute. Um, there are a number of roles that the government uh, can do, and they have to do it anyway. Uh, but in the context of uh, deforestation free commodities or sourcing areas, what we have seen so far and what we experience with, uh, with them is first and foremost uh, the regulatory framework uh, that uh, needs to be developed uh, coming from them uh, because without the uh, clear and appropriate regulatory framework, uh, there's a, a bit of confusion of what is, uh, you know, the right things to do uh, or things that can be done or cannot be done in certain jurisdictions. Uh, this is, that is why uh, we, uh, you know, work together with them and encourage them to uh, issue and develop this uh, green board plan and then translate it into their midterm development planning and program and budgeting. So as clear as possible in which then the private sector knows that, okay, uh, there are some priority areas that the government uh, would like to you know, put forward or to, uh, to support uh, and then cluster of smallholders are recognized and maybe then supported, uh, complemented by the private sector and donors and organizations like us. So that's the first one. The second one, I think, um, usually in this uh, very processing area of deforestation-free commodity jurisdictions, can we, uh, with the government, of course, we tend to uh, develop a kind of a, a governance structure or platform called uh, Central of Excellence in which they will then manage uh, 
the different ideas, uh, different objectives, and then try to align and synergize those things. And then uh, the stakeholders or different parties would then commit as well as uh, support uh, such objectives or KPIs with uh, different contributions. And then government usually, like party or province governor, sit as uh, the leader of the steering committee because they uh, supposedly uh, would act as like a uh, uh, neutral uh, referee and also they can facilitate if there's a, there are differences uh, coming from different in terms of pushing uh, for different priorities for instance uh, can thank you okay thank you fitrian uh, um rubens uh, if you have some comments well, I think along the same lines, I mean, obviously it's um, it's a lot easier said than done, right? Um, it's um, obviously changing the regulation would um, help a lot in, in terms of preventing new um, uh, areas of primary forest being cleared, but you're talking about smallholder farmers, you're talking about uh, subsistent agriculture, and it's a, you know, it, like I said, it's, it's easier said than done. So I think this, the experience that we've had so far is quite positive in Indonesia. Every time you sit down with the provincial governments, um, you know, and you and you have this um, uh, sort of public-private partnership proposals, they they are always very receptive, um, and um, it, it has to be a collaboration between the private sector and um, and the government. Because if you go and say that certain areas cannot be used for coffee production then you know you're still talking about uh, smallholder small scale farmers that still need to 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 grow coffee for their livelihood so there needs to be uh, um, a solution that you know and and it can only be achieved if you engage both the private and the public sector i mean we have um, a good example in indonesia uh, with the bukit barisan national park in lampung uh, it's an ongoing initiative um, with the with the Basically, the goal to relocate uh, some of the farming areas um, out of out of um, the national park, and, and again, it's a you know complicated and sensitive topic, but in, the government can play a role and, and should play a role. And um, and um, but uh, yeah, obviously, at a at a national level, and using a little bit the experience that I have um, in in palm oil, for instance. You know the certification also can be quite important, right? Um, and um, in Palm, the Indonesian government has already come up with um, uh, an Indonesian certification, sustainability certification with covenants and KPIs. So that that could be something also to to be studied in the future. It's important that if we do that, it should be aligned with international standards. Uh, um, but I think that would be a step in the right in the right direction. Uh, but then I, I again I I keep bringing that up, but you know in, in coffee is a little bit different. We are not talking about big groups and conglomerates um, planting coffee and growing coffee in areas that are not supposed to be used for coffee. We're talking about families and and and, and small scale farmers. So there needs to be a, a, some sort of win win solution. And like I said, the the government in Indonesia I think is is willing to uh, to look into that. Hey, we, we can debate for a long time here. Replanting is an important topic as well. You know, uh, coffee trees are obviously aging um, and, and productivity is going even lower. So I believe if, um, if the government uh, invests further in, in replanting, 
then you could prevent a lot of new areas being being open, right? Uh, and that's also an ongoing um, topic uh, here in Indonesia. I'm not sure how it's done in Vietnam in terms of replanting, if it's a private sector initiative or if government gets involved, but I think that would help a lot in preventing uh, further deforestation. Okay, great, uh, Rubens, thank you. Um, I see someone's raising hands um, in the participant list. Um, if I may, uh, Mr. Carlos Riano. Yeah, hello. Yeah. Hi, this is, um, this is Carlos Riano. I am from the European Forest Institute. I'm, I'm, right now I'm based in Malaysia, but we have some projects in, in Indonesia and uh, Vietnam. Uh, this is a general question for both of you is that, so talking about sustainability that's involved uh, to have different um, monitoring systems, uh, it, it will be good if you can explain both uh, from ADH and, and LDC, the approach to, to monitoring those activities, right? To, to be sure that the communities, the private sector, the government, the government, they are all in the same line. So maybe a couple of examples from you. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos, for the question. Um, I think, uh, Rubens, would you mind going uh, first to answer? No, that's a good question. I mean, um, I think uh, first things first, we need to be able to achieve um, a, a good level of traceability of our supply chains, right? And I think the the, the coffee industry is now taking that more seriously. You need to understand, you know, where the coffee is coming from. Uh, and then based on that, we can engage in, um, in satellite monitoring. We can engage in, uh, you know, field visits. Um, you know, we have a lot of people on the ground, um, not only um, monitoring um, developments in, in coffee, but also in, in, in palm oil and, and other commodities that we are uh, dealing with. So, but again, traceability is an important, um, is an important tool. So uh, that's something that we are really focused now um, to improve the level of traceability that we, that we have in our coffee supply chain. Um, and then after that, we can, um, again, I think satellite monitoring can be quite powerful. Um, but we also rely a lot on, on field visits, um, you know, to know exactly what's going on on the ground. Um, and, and through our projects also, the ones that I just presented, we also have a, a now a, a survey system. So we, we do monitor the, the development and the evolution of uh, the main KPIs that we have in that project. And that should also help us to understand, you know, what's happening in, in, you know, across our supply chain, right? In, 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 a, in a country like Indonesia. Um, I'm not sure if that answers the question, um, but that, that's, that's pretty much what I had to, to comment. Yeah, that's, that's good. And maybe if you can complement with the, uh, so monitoring the, the social activities, not only the ones that we can see from, from satellites, but uh, on the social part, how do you do the monitoring? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that has to be, like I said, we, we use um, uh, our own resources on the ground. So we have um, our own uh, team of agronomists that uh, spend most of their time up country. There's a lot of telephone interviews, but there's a lot of physical um, surveys as well. 
um, there's only so much you can rely on on official data. So uh, we really take uh, matter into our own hands and um, and we just send send our people out and and that's pretty much how 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 we do it. Um, we do that in conjunction with our crop surveys as well. So uh, several times a year, this team of agronomists have to go anyway up country to to check on on production. Um, and we try as much as possible to um, synergize between our research and our sustainability efforts. Um, I don't know, I mean, uh, Charlotte is here, my colleague uh, from the LDC sustainability team. I don't know if you want to add anything, Charlotte. Thanks, thanks Rubens. Um, so on our side, I think uh, over the years, we have been improving a lot this monitoring system, but you just described it uh, well. Uh, it's a partnership between our research and sustainability team. And today for the sustainability uh, activities we are conducting, um, basically we, we have before, uh, before intervening with the farmers, we are conducting what we call a baseline survey. So taking the main KPIs, we need to understand what is the current situation of the farmers. We will help uh, with our intervention. And uh, year after year, we are uh, going back to the same farmers and uh, collect uh, data about the same uh, KPIs to, to track the evolution. I think uh, there are still improvements to, to be made here. Uh, that's why we are also uh, collaborating a lot with uh, external partners. Last year, it was part of the slide uh, Rubens uh, presented earlier. Uh, we have been, for example, in, Lambu, in Lampung, uh, in the Lampung province, uh, conducted a survey uh, with the support also of the University of Lampung. So uh, in order to come, to come back to the beneficiaries, we have been uh, supported since 2015 in this province and uh, collect uh, data about uh, now their, their current practices to, to, to put in evidence uh, the evolution and the progress we, we, have, uh, we have made uh, thanks to our intervention. So it's, a, it's actually a long way. Um, it's a journey uh, monitoring data, but uh, we, we are, I think, and it's not only about us, but uh, the sector in itself, improving year on year and uh, sharing also, uh, more data to, to put on evidence these uh, uh, interventions we are making in collaboration. Thank you, Charlotte, for um, your information. That's uh, pretty much, um, I think uh, it answers the question of monitoring and traceability. And perhaps, um, um, Pafitrian, are you still there? Uh, maybe perhaps you have some comments on um, the, the issue of uh, monitoring or traceability, perhaps from your experience in IDH uh, in okay. this PSA uh, approach. I, I don't think uh, Pafitrian is still here. Okay, I think I think I think he's not here anymore. Okay, then um, I think we're running out of time. So um, a great session. Thank you, Rubens, uh, for your time um, and also great insights from your side on your uh, project from in LDC and coffee sector in Indonesia. Um, perhaps just, if just, any just, of you would like to. Oh, yes, sorry, Ken. Uh, uh, yeah. My pleasure again. Uh -huh. I see a lot of questions about um, uh, still about the species of trees. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to me and Charlotte. Uh, we can share our experience. Obviously, you have to be very careful how you select the, the trees. 
Um, but yeah, I, th I think a lot of the questions I see on the chat are related to the intercropping and the agroforestry. So yeah. we are more than happy to share a little bit further on our experience. Oh, we, at least we know it's coming from a Spanish speaking country. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. Um, well, yeah. Thank you, Rubens. Perhaps for those. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Questions. I'm here. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, uh, if if any of you still have questions, you can just put it in the chat box. Perhaps uh, Rubens and Charlotte will be happy to answer those questions if you uh, still have time to um, stay here until the end of this uh, this webinar. Um, again, thank you, Rubens, for uh, the uh, the presentation, your insights, a great session. Um, I believe now we have um, our friend from uh, PTSA, uh, Sherry, um, who will be uh, facilitating, facilitating the next session um, on the uh, coffee sector in the Philippines. Over to you, Sherry. Thank you, Ken. Thank you to the speakers for enabling us to see the situation, challenges, and insights to better the coffee sectors in your countries. So I think, um, uh, let me uh, say an advance apologies for everyone because we might need to extend a little bit but we will try our best with the indulgence of our next two speakers. We will try our best to wrap up at, at about 4.40 or 4.50 um, in the afternoon. Um, let me uh, just uh, give a short introduction about the Philippines um, coffee industry. So in the Philippines, uh, small farmers are country's main producers of coffee, basically from the Mindanao Island. The four varieties grown are Robusta, um, Arabica, Excelsa, and Liberica coffee. With an ever-growing population and boost in SME development, the demand for co coffee product production rises at a level that is far from commensurate to the current trend of production. So some challenges being addressed by the current initiatives are farmers shifting to other crops, less productive farm practices, limited knowledge and appropriate technologies, aging farmers, and limited access to credit and fair market and certification. So while the speakers in the previous uh, segments from Indonesia and, and uh, Vietnam focus on the challenges in the domain of coffee production, the next presentations will focus more about partnership examples to create strategic solutions and impact at scale. Without further ado, let me go straight to the introduction of our first speaker. Our first speaker is the Chief Executive Officer of Coffee for Peace, Coffee for for Peace is a multi-awarded social enterprise and inclusive business based in um, Mindanao. Among its many um, accolades, Coffee for Peace received the 2019 Sustainable Business Awards as the best flagship initiative and the best social enterprise. Ms. Georgie Pantoja, our, our next speaker, is the president and co-founder of CFP and was recently awarded as one of the only three awardees of the prestigious Oslo Business for Peace Award for her role in building peace in conflict-stricken areas. Ms. Joji is a food service administration graduate from the University of Santo Tomas and a social enterprise development from the Atenea University Graduate School of Business. Her presentation will showcase their unique approach and experience in their coffee business and advocacy in the Philippines. So let us acknowledge Ms. Georgie Pantoja, the Chief Executive Officer and Founder of, of Copy for Peace Philippines. Ms. Georgie, you have a maximum of 10 minutes for this presentation. The screen is yours. Thank you. Good afternoon. I am humbled to join this story sharing on coffee 
represented by different um, groups, big and small corporation. And I bring with me stories of indigenous people and smallholder farmers. So I will be talking about our partnership models towards growth of coffee farmers. And the model that we use are anchored in the peace uh, concept. So um, I think our stories can be best told through this video. Can you show the video, please? lupa ng mga bagubo tagabawa. So, from the municipality of Santa Cruz and a portion of Davao City, Digos, Bansalan, and Makilala is part of the bagubo tagabawa tribe. Ang buhay po namin sa barangay Managa, yung pumasok na yung mga settlers, hindi naman maiwasan na pumapasok sila. Kasi yung mga uh, bagubo, wala namang kasing alam noong una. So, relational harmony with others. Anong ibig sabihin nun? We are peace uh, missionary and we work in conflicted areas and we go to the Muslim areas and we listen to their stories. As we do that, I cannot understand talking about peace without addressing the economic issues. My lens was looking for something that would address the immediate needs of those people. And I saw that coffee was being served to us. And I said, wow, coffee is a common drink for the Muslims for the Lumads or the indigenous people, and for the Christians. So probably I could use coffee as an iconic product for peace, a vehicle for peace. And that's how it started. Yung Kupi for Peace, silang Ma'am Juji, sila po yung nagatudlo sa amin doon sa Dabao. Bumibili sila ng chiri sa amin, dalalin namin sa Dabao. Doon namin i-ginaprocess. Sabay kami lahat yung may-ari ng kape, siya po yung mag-process doon sa kanilang processing area sa Dabao. Doon kami naka-sinati ano, naka ng yun pala ang kape para mayroong potensyal na tumataas yung presyo sa aming kape. Ngayon, salamat sa ginoong ni Saka Gidamong Kape, ni Tasang Presyo.
I told the coffee farmers that it's time to give back to the real owner of the land to have that participation in the income so that the Bagobo tribe could really be participants in the increased income for their community. Sa ngayon, okay naman yung mga Christians kasi nalaman naman nila na yan talaga ang rights ng mga tribo. Alam nila na uh, itong lupa na ito uh, talagang sa tribo, sa bagubo. Kung magplanting mo og kape, kinahanglan ang space niya 2 by 3. So now Ariel, having uh, acquired all those skills in processing coffee, is now ready to give back. So what we did was put the processing area intentionally at their place so that they could learn and be blessed also. So at least there would be continuous blessing from top to down. Coffee for peace is not just for peace because the meaning of peace in our peace is also harmony with your environment. So we support in protecting our environment because of the recent phenomenon of climate change. We need to be conscious in protecting our environment. And coffee is one good tree that could hold the soil and can be planted up in the mountain that could make our forest sustainable. So that's how we see it. So we really encourage businesses to be conscious while doing business, do good also. Because when you do good, you do well. So as you could see, our model is centered on peace. And you would see that in our next slide. Coffee for peace is not just coffee. It's just coffee. So let's drink. The third slide, please. So it's centered on peace, wherein you work with people, you work with the planet, you have your profit and you have your partnership. So um, I would like to explain to you more about peace. What is peace? What is peace to us? Next slide, please. Peace is talking about our well-being. Peace is talking about our relationships. And peace is talking about our context. It is our being centered and produces what we do and produces what we have. So it's anchored on the relationship that we have on our creator, with ourself, with the creation and with others. And with that as a leader, we have to have the heart of a servant, a soul of a teacher, mind of a manager and strength of the leader. 
Now, when go to going to the next slide, people. Why is people part of that? Because we deal with them. We deal with farmers. We deal with processors, traders, and distributors. We have our employees. We have our consumers, and of course, the most important are our investors or impact investors or lender. Now, planet is also important because when we used up too much of our soil or spoiled our planet, then it will give up on us. So as I have said in that video, coffee is one good tree that could hold the soil and also protect our water source. Next would be partnership. So partnership involves people too, because you have to be partnering with your farmers as a, as a business, partnering with other processors, traders, and competitors, partnering with your employees, with the consumers, and with your impact investors. Also partnering with the government and um, universities for research. So it involves partnership. And as we go through, the most important also is profit. So profit, if you deliver your goods with quality, safe, and clean, delivered at the right time, and price right which is affordable to the consumer. So those are the things that you needed to ask. Anchored on peace, people, peace, profit, partnership, and our planet. Now, what does it bring to us? The next slide would show you that we work mostly on, with indigenous people and it brings us joy to listen to their stories because coffee, people, culture, and nature are all related. They are all in one story. Now, what is your story? Now, the story of Coffee for Peace brought us, since we founded this in 2008, we have 13 years of experience, experiencing the whole value chain and working with a lot of people. And that brought us an Oslo Business for Peace Award telling us that we have contributed in the peace situation here in Mindanao. We have, we were given Sustainable Business Award by the ASEAN Business Award in 2018 and then 2019 Sustainable Business Award because we does not only provide good income for the farmers, but also provide peace the culture of peace and provides the protection of our environment. Recently, we received this award from Department of Labor because they are affirming that we are treating our employees right by giving them the proper benefits and salaries. So in totality, Coffee for Peace is not just another coffee. It is just coffee and our model, which you would see on our last slide, are anchored in peace, but 
it is important for us to connect everything, people, planet, profit, and partnership. So thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Jaji. Yeah. Uh, so that's a very inspiring story. Truly what makes any initiative sustainable is really the people that make up the system. Uh, while these local initiatives provide a significant contribution, the, the demand for coffee production is requires bigger scale solution by state actors and private sector. With this, let me transition to the next presenter. Our next speaker is the Corporate Affairs Executive of Nestle Philippines, Ms. Gregoria Ruth Pino Valles. Ms. Ruth is leading the government stakeholder affairs of the Nescafe plan. And under her leadership, Nestle bagged the Grand Anvil Award of 2021, hailing Nescafe plan as best public relations campaign in the Philippines. Apart, apart from her many other roles in the private sector government committee engagements, she is also the member of the Philippine Coffee Roadmap Development Team for nearly, nearly 10 years now and serves as the Coffee Working Group Lead of the Philippine Partnership for Sustainable Agriculture. At the heart of all these engagements, Ms. Ruth is a coffee farmer supporter and a coffee addict. Without further ado, let us acknowledge Ms. Gregoria Ruth P. Novales. Hi, everyone. Uh, good afternoon. And um, Asia, we are here. Our dear brothers and sisters in coffee, I'm Ruth Novales from Nestle, Philippines. And as they say, a certified coffee lover and farmer addict. Today, I would humbly share with you not how to grow coffee, as all of you here are Asia and possibly the world's best coffee experts, but how to partner with a key educational stalwart of our country to support our quest to inspire thousands of coffee farmers now and in the future. Next slide, please. Welcome to the Philippines. It's the pandemic, but it has not altered the beauty of our country and the spirit of our people. Today, I will share with you a triumph of spirit our spirit to be able to help farmers. Next slide. I will start with the numbers. How have we been inspiring our Nescafe coffee farmers? And I would like to raise the bar of performance with you now to tell you that our farmers, we train at least 8,000 farmers a year. We have distributed 16 million coffee trees in the country with our partners. Just last buying season, 2020, we bought 39% more coffee from our farmers. We have raised the yield twice of the farmers and raised their income three times. And to immortalize our farmers who raise the bar of performance, we now put them in every pack of Nescafe, the coffee that they helped produce. Next slide, please. But also having said that, even if we achieve much, there's still a lot of work to do. That's only 19% and the rest are imported, but I'm happy to share with you, but with all the efforts of the government and the private sector, quarter one of 2021, there was a 12.4% increase in coffee. So how was we able to partner with our government, unlike probably some of the countries represented here, but we do not get everything from our government. We have to fight with 14 other high value crops to get allocation. So how did we do that? Next slide, please. We will now focus on the Nescafe plan and how we are using this to get more partners to help coffee farmers in the Philippines. It is a global initiative of all the Nestle markets along the world's coffee belt. And what we aim is only very simple, to raise farmer incomes through better yields with our key priorities, 
sustainably. Next slide. Okay, what you see is that the coffee industry concerns met by our current in, uh, initiatives, but this afternoon we will focus on training or what we call upscaling of farmers. Because remember the word focus, because I will mention it very, very often, how we were able to achieve this very important partnership with the government. So who was our partner? Next slide, please. This is PESDA. PESDA is the number one government agency in the Philippines to manage and supervise technical education skills uh, of the Filipinos, farmers, fisher folk. And if you are a graduate of a PESDA course, you can work anywhere in the Philippines and anywhere in the world with a better package of um, remuneration because you are considered an expert. So how are we able to partner with them and have our Nescafe plan skills accredited by TESDA? So what was the objective of having to partner with TESDA? We wanted to harness the strength of government to support our quest or objective for the coffee farmers, many of which have not had any formal training, even study in any school from birth, especially on progressive coffee training. And also we want to attract more and more youth women in coffee with training. Bear in mind that, as I said, it's not easy to get financial support or rural credit for farmers in the Philippines. The government has been very helpful, but has never been enough. So what we wanted is to upskill the farmers so that any support they get from anyone, they will be able to maximize those valuable resources by upskilling them. Next slide. So where are our farmers? They are now in a pilot run in Mindanao, who produces 83% of the coffees in the Philippines. Sultan Kudarat or SK and Bukidnon, the two pilot areas, already account for 51% of all coffees in the region. And we would like to focus on Robusta, the main ingredient for Nescafe. Next slide. And therefore, this is the journey. It is a competency setting story, okay? We started with course, the course is called by the government, the coffee production level two, 176 hours, and everything was done during the pandemic. Next slide. So what we first did was to have our coffee production uh, demo farm transformed and accredited by the government as a learning site or institute for coffee. This is what we call the coffee university. And then the competencies we wrote down in our Nescafe Better Farming Practice with our partner GIZ were transformed into a curriculum. And then the program registration follows a curriculum. And finally, in December 2020, we uh, had the implementation stage because the areas are two hours flight from Manila where we were, and this all happened during the pandemic. Next slide. Okay, next slide, please. So finally, you can see the progression of what we did, and this is what we have to do to be able to gain the confidence of TESDA that our coffee farming training is going to the best, be the best in the Philippines. Accredit the university, do the standards, do the curriculum, and finally have the accreditation. Okay. So this is what the process is all about. You asked me how long did it take us? Actually, all the documentation took one and a half years. But then again, we did not think about the, the timing. We thought about the farmers would need this, and if we get them here, this farmer scholarship, then a lot of farmers will benefit from this 
from time to come. This is what we call forever. Next slide. And finally, okay, this is our, what we call the universities of coffee on the left is what we did in partnership with the government in Bukidnon. And on the right is a government facility, which we also partnered with them in Sultan Kodarat because the school or the university of the scholars has to be near the students. Next slide. And then how many people took to be able to do this? So now don't be afraid, but really there's a lot of people. We did not think about how many people will be involved, but we thought about the farmers will need this and we have to work together. So what we did was really to make sure that we are focused. Remember I told you to focus on the word focus. We were focused that everybody is looking at the same page, looking at the same tasks and targets week on week. So the government really made a lot of effort to think private and the private also worked to think government and the result was fantastic. Next slide. And how was we able to really monitor uh, what we have to do? How do we focus? We made journey maps, as you can see in the screen, that puts everyone in the same page all the time. We track our progress weekly, both for government and the private teams individually and together. Next slide. So this is phase year one, and we have also year two. So we are always looking at the same page. Next slide. And therefore you will see, these are the activities. We laid out every activity and every performance is measured. We gave a quick and honest feedback if there are humps along the way. We all kept our cool. We all also helped one another, but we kept our coffee hot. Next slide. So these were the activities until the day that we said we're going to start because we were running after the rains. And what happened? As I talk to you now, okay, we have been on track. We're going to be on the fourth class or fourth batch, and we already have graduates for this year. Uh, on a minimum for the test period, we are supposed to graduate 450 farmers, and next year, at least 1,500 farmers, and so on and so forth. Test the only one year partnership, but this is three years. Next slide. So this is hello from the graduates of the pioneer batch of the farmer scholars. And you can see there are a lot of women, a lot of them live in the mountains. They really come back going through three streams or even rivers to be able to attend their classes every day. And we have also noticed a lot of young farmers. Next slide. So in behalf of the hundreds of farmers who will be helped by this program, thank you to the Philippine government from Nestle. Thank you to GIZ. and. By the way, I'm on the lookout for other partners. So maybe you would like to partner with us in this very noble upscaling of farmers through the number one really voca uh, vocation and technical institute of the Philippines to help our farmers. So Mabuhay, thank you very much. And yes, partnership is very important, but skilling the farmers are more important in making sure that they maximize the resources that the government and the private sector give to them. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Ruth. Thank you to both of you, Ms. Georgie and Ms. Ruth, for, for um, cooperating with us, for bearing with us to come up with a limited presentation. So at this point, uh, I think we can still accommodate at least um, at max one question 
to each of our presenter uh, in the interest of time. Yeah. Um, I think there was a question a while ago from Mr. Thomas Niem to address to uh, Ms. Joji. Uh, Mr. Sir, Mr. Thomas, would you like to, to ask your question um, in person to her? Okay, let me just read. Uh, he's asking about what are the species planted um, and are you intercropping with coffee uh, with regards to the experience of coffee for this month? Um, with the coffee farmers that we have, they have vegetables, different kinds of vegetables around their coffee farm. So they have also uh, coconut trees interplant with their coffee and some have uh, abaca. So those are the things that they have intercropped with coffee. Ms. Georgie, I hope that answers the question unless there's a follow-up. But for now, let us um, go straight to the next question, which is addressed to both of you, Ma'am Ruth and Ms. Yogi. Um, this, is, this is from Ernelia, Ernelia Kau, um, asking about, are there examples of partnerships regarding R&D on coffee? Uh, Ms. Yogi, would you like to answer first? <laughs> yes, we are brewing that right now. And... Um, Actually, they are so active right now because we wanted to experiment on other byproducts. Personally, I have experimented on the cascara, the pulp of the coffee, wherein we produce a tea. So, and also in the pipeline, together with other uh, researchers, would be the coffee leaf, which is already being marketed in Vancouver because I saw that and I said, wow, this would provide other income for the farmers. So yes, research and development are very much involved with our, what, what, what we do. Yeah, uh, on our part, thank you, Ms. Joji. Uh, she's one of our friends. Uh, on our part, really research is very important right now with what we're to, uh, teaching the farmers. No? Um, we are teaching them the aspects of regenerative agriculture, which is composting, agroforestry, and intercropping. And I saw a lot of questions about, will intercropping be bad uh, for the farm? Actually, it is really our dream if uh, the farmers in the Philippines can sustain themselves. But uh, sadly, we know that everybody is economically challenged, especially this pandemic. So the land of the farmer in the Philippines, the average size, is only one to 1.5 hectares. Now, there is no rule to say that you cannot increase the, uh, the productivity and the profitability of your 1.5 hectares. Okay, the land is not growing, but the farmer can definitely grow his income. So that's why we are balancing as well, intercropping, composting, and agroforestry, which I saw also in the presentation of this judge. Thank you, Ma'am Ruth and Ms. Joji for sharing such insights and initiatives that are um, happening in the Philippines that might also invite um, um, more partnerships in the region. I think I was advised that uh, we can still entertain one more last question uh, for both. This is from Nico Ralionza. Um, good afternoon, Ma'am Ruth. Uh, the Philippine government released the coffee roadmap a few years back. How has the pandemic affected the goals or targets of the roadmap? Roadmap, sorry. 
And will there be another roadmap in 2022 or is it dependent on the incoming administration? Thank you. I did not whisper to the gentleman about to ask that. Huh? Uh, I was a member of the team who developed the first Philippine uh, national roadmap. Now, the success of that is where we're able to do the good agricultural practices for coffee. As um, really well, Miss Joji here is part also of the technical working group for the roadmap in the good agricultural practices. Now, we are tasked by the Philippine government, and again, Joji and I are working on it, to revisit and revise the roadmap on three categories. The first category of the Philippine Coffee Roadmap is for short-term objectives, which is up to next year, mid-term, which is up to three years, and long-term, which is five to 10 years. So definitely, yes, we are working on the roadmap already to make the numbers more achievable. Because remember, as I said, there are 14 high-value crops in the Philippines uh, fighting for the targets and the funds and also, you do not also, um, I haven't even um, mentioned rice and corn, which are the most favorite uh, crops in the Philippines for obvious reasons, probably for Asia. So yes, we are working on it. And as soon as uh, this is approved, then we will be able to call uh, what we call a um, consultative meeting to be able to present to you the results of the roadmap, which myself, Georgie, and the rest of the uh, roadmap development team selected by Secretary Dar of the Department of Agricultural working on feverishly. Thank you, Ms. Georgie. Um, yeah, uh, we, let's hope that these initiatives and leadership, strong leadership of both of you in, in your own spheres will, will lead to, will attract more uh, government support to the farmers uh, to grow the coffee industry in the Philippines. Yeah. And yeah, uh, again, I invite everyone to, to use the chat box. Should you have further questions, just leave your contact information to the speakers and we will convey it to them. Yeah, Jerry, yeah. excuse me, maybe what I can just say to the, the people here, like what Georgie and I have been doing, we've been working on coffee for the longest time. Um, you do not stop. You know, you, you help the farmer in a value chain approach. You don't always only hold his hand, but you hold his feet, his head and everything. Okay, so that I think is the new buzzword which we're working on value chain approach to coffee production, Georgie, right? And mm -hmm. uh, best of all, I think um, any government, if you do not present a good business case, then it will be difficult for your government to help you. So that's what Georgie and I are doing. We are presenting that coffee is a good business case, not only for the farmers in this country, but for the country as well. And as you could see, we have voices of the big multinational corporation and smallholder farmer contributing into this roadmap so that it's not only manufactured or created by big corporation, but also the voices of those, those small farmers are heard and they can contribute through us representing that. Yeah, indeed, that bottom-up approach uh, really reflects how you look at it at a sustainable um, manner. Uh, at this point, as we promised, we tried to our best to wrap up at this time. So let me um, uh, transfer the screen to Reggie, who I believe will um, uh, tell us some closing statement. Thank you very much.
Thank you, Ruth. Thank you, Georgie. And thank you to everyone for being really active and engaged. I've learned so much and I'm optimistic that the connections made here today will, will spark collaborations in the future. Um, could we take a, a short feedback survey of how we did today, um, if someone can launch the poll? And meanwhile, uh, don't hesitate to reach out uh, to us. Uh, you have our email addresses, uh, contact details of our individual country partnerships for any follow-ups, or you can ask them for the contact details of some of the speakers. We will be sharing the recording and presentations where they have been approved for sharing by our speakers. So thank you again to all our distinguished uh, panelists and to all of you for attending this learning and sharing event. Um, I think we should end here. Stay safe and wishing all of you a good rest of the week. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Ms. Ruth and all the speakers. Thank you. Yeah, thank a lot of picture taking, Kerry G. Oh, we didn't. We didn't arrange. I think uh, next time. <laughs> Salamat ng marami, ha? Salamat. Thank okay. you very much. Of course. Ooh. I hope to see you all again. Thank you very much, uh, Reggie and the team. Oh, thank you so much. We enjoyed Bye. it. Thank Bye. you, Mrs. Salamat. Ruth and Mrs. Jo Joji. Thank you. Bye-bye po. Salamat. Thank you. Hi, hello po. Bye-bye po. Maraming salamat. Hi, ma'am. Hey. Nice to meet you in semi uh, seminar. Maybe next seminar, I want to join with you. And next time, I will visit you. Yes, yes, yes. Bye-bye, Paul. Bye-bye.